Hello everyone, welcome to Frame Trap, the podcast where we're trying to keep ourselves occupied until Final Fantasy XV comes out. <laughs> oh. uh, Gotta do something. Uh, we, <laughs> no, uh, we, get to, we get to talk about games and love games on this show and other things. We've got other things to discuss, not just video games. Uh, there are going to be some surprises this episode that I hope you're all looking forward to. Oh uh, I am your host, Benjamin J. Moore. With me is my illustrious panel, Brandon Jones illustrious yeah i try to last week last not last week this isn't a weekly show last episode i said effervescent so i'm trying to do fun <laughs> words uh michael huber second oh, seat today i got some like stomach pains but i'll be right <laughs> oh man oh, no. what? Yeah. well known you're the only person and admired for past achievements that oh, i think serious. that fits all of you beautifully uh huber you're the only person i know that could say i'm having stomach pains and then immediately laugh afterwards <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah. you know. Died from the inside out, but I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Come on, frame trap. It, it counterbalances. <laughs> Life finds a way. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Daniel Bloodworth. Yeah, made it back sooner this time. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't had this this lineup uh, in a while, and I, I like this lineup because yeah, it's it's, been a while. it's different than some of our other ones. It's, it's got a good vibe to it. It's very chill. <laughs> That's how I would describe this lineup, and I like chill. Uh, but let's dig right into it. Mm. What have you guys been playing? There's been, honestly, you know, I say this all the time, but when I go home now after we do an Easy Allies thing and I, I have a couple of hours before I have to go to bed to play stuff, I'm just paralyzed now. I'm just like, well, I've got 15 different options that sure. all seem really interesting and they're all very different from each other. Yeah. So, unparalyze me, Brandon Jones. What's oh been keeping you busy? Um, I'm, in, I'm currently reviewing Infinite Warfare, mm -hmm. so I'm playing COD. Okay. Um, I don't know if we want to get into reviews too much on, on Frame Trap with our opinions and such. We can um, go wherever, man. I, I, yeah. I, I enjoy COD. Um, I always, whenever, I, whenever I review COD, I always get really tired, like fatigued, by the time you get to that last level. Hmm. Like you want, and I don't blame the developers because you want to throw 500 guys at once you know, at me and like, oh, so many targets and robots and ships. But it's like... When I've been in, invested for eight, nine hours, and I just, I just want to get to the end of the campaign so I can start playing multiplayer and get into, you know, zombies and stuff. I'm just kind of like, you know, it's like, lots of targets, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, not feeling as much as, as uh, uh, The Last or Black Ops 3. It's, uh, it's really funny. It's advanced warfare. Sorry, I got my warfare is confused. Uh, I brought it over to my friend's house. We were, like, watching wrestling, and then I was like, oh, let's play some, some Call of Duty. And Brad was there. And remind me not to play Call of Duty with Mr. Brad Ellis. Whoa. Because he because he's like nothing against Brad, obviously. He's like uh, Brad. Yeah. Um, because he's over it. He's in yeah. that he's in that place where it's like we're playing and we went into a multiplayer match and immediately like Call of Duty, you're spawning in, people are running at yeah, you, yeah. they're sliding in, they're jumping around like crazy Call of Duty players, professionals. And Brad is just like, dude, this is the same thing it's been for so long. Like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just like, you're kind of right. That kind of bummed me out. Mm -hmm. But I still love it. I still love, like, checking in well, to Call of yeah. Duty, you well, know? Well, what's, what's interesting compared <laughs> to, to Black Ops 3 and why I was so impressed with Black Ops 3 is, like, Black Ops 3 begins and they're like, you move very differently in this game. Like, you can shoot behind you now. When you're doing, like, a slide on the ground, you can aim anywhere you want. So you can slide there and aim to the left or behind you. You can aim up and down when you wall run. You have this crazy double jump now that isn't, like, just your typical press A twice and you'll go higher. But, like, mm -hmm. you have a, a bar that you can, like, hit it and hold it to do a really high jump or just give it a little tap if you're falling. It's 
you know, you have like a little like bounce before you land, so you like negate fall damage. And Infinite Warfare starts, and they're like, yeah, double jump wall run anyway, moving on. And I'm like, oh, it, like there was much less attention to like, like, especially when I met with the devs too, that they were like, we, you know, we've spent so much time in making sure multiplayer was highly, you know, finely tuned for Black Ops 3. And then, yeah, going into Infinite Warfare, it's just kind of like, you know, it's the, the premise received way more attention than like actually improving mechanics or, or doing crazy from, new things that I had done from my time, outside of the ships which is yeah. amazing for my time with it too the the movement seems like it doesn't belong in this game that's with the multiplayer maps yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. like yeah. Black Ops 3 those maps are so tailored to the movement I'll yeah. never forget like the Redwood Forest map where people are legitimately going out of bounds <laughs> mounting on the trees and there's so many maps in this games where it's just right angles it's yeah. like hallway or cramped area. Even some of the bigger maps are just like weirdly spaced out. The campaign maps too, I get the vibe that they like built a map and we're like, okay, we're, oh wait, oh, we have wall running. Uh, oh, put, put, put a wall over there. And like, okay, you know, like I think I, I think during the entirety of the campaign, I wall run twice, mm -hmm. you know, where I actually wouldn't, I noticed a wall. I was like, oh, I can get a little mm -hmm. shortcut up there. Whereas like, you know, Black Ops 3 constantly, like, yeah. like, like, you know, like, not only that, but I would, like, go to wall run and stuff would happen while I was on the wall. Like, enemies would come at me or, like, stuff would go flying around. Um, but still fun. But just, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm invested in that because I, I just reviewed Gears and, like, had not played a Gears game in a long time. But, like, I reviewed the last COD, the COD before that, the COD before that. So, I, um, I'm invested. I think this is a year where, where, to me, Call of Duty is just strictly outclassed by, by Titanfall 2. Um, like it was exactly yeah but but i i feel like the movement especially oh. and like mm -hmm. the the pace of a match is is much more similar in titanfall and call of duty than it is in a battlefield and uh not that they're the same thing they're not but in titanfall when you're moving around everything makes sense and every part of every level it's like no there are creative ways to get around this and it just it feels so good i don't have to think about it whereas in call of duty infinite warfare it feels out dated in a weird way like they they just haven't it's just not as elegant as it is in titanfall 2 mm. for lack of a better phrase only and like just so though you know not yeah. like they're not like oh this cancels out cod it's just like the the, the market is so competitive right and you have games like overwatch and titanfall that just feel so good and then you fall back on a cod that's like you know capable you know it's like it just doesn't yeah. It's uh, comparatively, it's 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 not enough. So yeah, I, I I guess the thing for me though, whereas like Titanfall feels like a a fully realized concept that all its elements are working together in unison, whereas Call of Duty it feels like it's sort of dragging this foundation along with it and like bolting on extra stuff like the movement. It doesn't it doesn't feel as natural uh, as it does in Titanfall, and I think that's that's what's bothering me. I don't know. Are you guys getting that vibe? Yeah, uh, yeah, for a long time now, though, Call of Duty has just been something that I enjoy checking in on. But I think, I think Black Ops 3 was a more interesting game. I love Very Black Ops yeah, 3. Black I, Ops 3 was so good, especially the, the co-op campaign with Kyle. I always talk about that mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and the multiplayer. Um, but, but before that and, and now again, uh, you know, I, I think I'll always enjoy just just checking in to Call yeah. of Duty, nothing more, nothing less. Like it's so fun diving in and getting slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I love it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll probably only play for a couple weeks. You know, I played Black Ops Three for a couple months. Yeah. Which is a big deal for me to play a Call of Duty for that long. It's you know I haven't done that since like Modern Warfare One. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I just I just love checking in. 
I don't. I try not to overanalyze the multiplayer. Um, and yeah, nothing really more. Nothing really more to say for me. Just dive in, get slaughtered. See you later. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> so do you? Do you know? Is not... that a bad thing to look at it like that? Like no, that's no, no. kind of how what Call of Duty is to me though. You... That's my my tune but, out but that's, game. But that's uh, that's what hopefully my review and the yeah. same thing with Gears when I was yeah. a little down on Gears was that like I'm I'm trying to communicate to as many people as possible and if, like if you are a Gears fan you're fine you're yeah. covered. like if you're way into COD and you have to play COD this year it's not broken there's nothing wrong mm. with it yeah. but if like you haven't played any shooter this year and you're look and you're at Best Buy and you're looking at Overwatch and Titanfall mm -hmm. and you know COD and and um uh Hello, Battlefield. Battlefield 1. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> do Battlefield first. Yeah. <laughs> then Titanfall. <laughs> you know, and then Overwatch, or, you know, Overwatch second, or, yeah, it's just like, it's just not, it's not, it's, it doesn't beat any of those other games, in my opinion. So I have two questions for both of you. I guess one specifically for Huber. Mm -hmm. when, when you hear, you know, because we talked about this last train trip, kind of a year of shooters, and, and a lot of people are comparing them, and a lot of people are, you know, saying pros and cons of, of absolutely everything. Does that kind of talk exhaust you, you think, a little bit, since it is sort of a, a checkout game for you? With Call of Duty? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I try to always just distance myself from the Call of Duty conversation. I think it's the one video game for me where I just say it is what it is. You know, I, I, I don't... I mean, Black Ops 3, I did enjoy diving really deep into it. Mm -hmm. uh, it helped that I had Kyle to, to get crazy with the story about. We talked about that story for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh and I think the multiplayer was really good because I put so much time into it. It just felt so solid, the foundation. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I just kind of just tune it out and shoot some dudes. Sure. And get shot. Sure. <laughs> well, we don't have to dwell on this too much, but I, have, I do have one more question for both of you. And I, I think it's, it, it's it, your tone, I think, kind of reflects the sales of Infinite Warfare. Uh, they're not as strong. Uh, and you're saying, you know, checking in for a couple of weeks as opposed to a couple of months, even yeah. though you're still interested in it. Um, I think I think it's fair to say it's safe to say at this point that that's kind of a general sentiment that the, the flame is not burning uh, quite as hot. What do you think this means for for Call of Duty? Do you think you know it it saw its peak and now it's just going to kind of continue to be like this, or do you think you know Sledgehammer is going to come out next year? They're going to make a really interesting game, and one good game is enough. Just enough to of the future. Enough. Just, I was yeah. just going to sure. say enough. Because sure. this game's like future, 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 mm -hmm. future. Like even games that weren't focused, like in a, like something like oh, Advanced Warfare. That clearly sounds like a futuristic game. Yeah. Whereas like a Black Ops Two, like not necessarily, but like drones and all very future tech. You know, and scanning people yeah. through walls. And then like three is like very future, dealing with some very interesting, you know, concepts with AI and, and, and computers kind of taking over mankind. And then like advanced warfare, and then now infinite warfare. And like, and it's interesting. Uh, I think one of the most interesting things about infinite warfare with the campaign is how much flying you do. That like that is a very featured very prominently in the campaign. Right. Uh, almost half, if not more, you're just flying around. Um, and it's interesting playing like an Eve Online or like a Wing Commander. And it feels like COD. I'm like hiding. I'm like I'm like getting cover behind an asteroid, you know, and then like flying back out and like shooting guys. Um, but it, I just think, yeah, it's like when you have them kind of doubling down on a concept that, like, you know, when I when I played something like an, an Advanced Warfare and you had that mission where you're like flying around the refinery in the middle of the desert mm -hmm. and then you land and then you get back on the ship, mm -hmm. and then I played this and I'm like, okay, we were kind of going in this direction. Like they 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 did love that. Star Fox, you know, adventures <laughs> vibe or not Star Fox adventures? Was it adventures where you could like land and get out of the ship and then. 
That yeah. was the, the well, one after that. It was like heroes. Assault. Or I think you're thinking of assault. Yeah. And you, so you could see the other R wings like flying around while you were doing that. I could see that being exciting as a developer to like let's really expand that. Let's have you the scale of you being in a ship and then get in your ship and then fly out, no loading screen, and then now you're looking at the ship you're just in and now it's blowing up as you're escaping it. But you, a battlefield comes out and there's no question. And it's just like well, or I could you know, play World War One for the first time in how many years, you know, and like do weapons I've never done and, and go to areas that feel so unique. And uh, and it's just tricky. It's like uh, I'm trying to think of like making a comparison, but it's just like it was it was really between Dyson and or EA and Activision. Like who is going to buckle first and who is going to be like, OK, let's do something different. Let's go this way instead of forward. And I think that's what COD needs to do now is like just take it in a weird direction. Well, like you were saying Black that Black Ops 2 was weird. That campaign was very strange. Yeah. And three. And it was so refreshing. You know, like I remember at the review event, I got up after I finished the campaign and fed the first guy I found. I was like, what? And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, we could wait for you to guys to play this campaign. Like you were saying they keep bolting on features. Like you were saying it's like future, 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 future. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to go back to World War II, but I would really love if they scaled everything back and especially after playing the modern warfare remaster yeah um that is what would be a huge shot in the arm for me and a and a, a big a big thing uh to just scale everything back yeah to i just tone it all down like let's take a step back call do you keep absolutely. getting crazy 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 crazier yeah. drones and like you're saying just space well i'm in i'm in a star destroyer blowing up major cruisers yeah like, right I don't, I don't know how you talk it's that. like let's <laughs> yeah, let's back. go back to just yeah. the boots on the ground yeah simple weapons just yeah you well know, i mean i think that, that made call of duty great was those just raw mechanics but i, that, I think that's the thing that's that's difficult though is yeah it's like you are talking about changing the pace of the gameplay so it's like mm -hmm. all of this futury stuff it's like it's not just aesthetic because it changes how you play the game and then you like you scale that back you strip that down and you put it in another era and it's like okay well these guns are slow and these vehicles are slow and you can't jump over a wall or you know and so like you know it, it really like it takes a lot of thought to be to to switch directions that way yeah I, or, or to just ignore it and say this is, you know, ba basically cosmetic. I think I, I agree with both of you. Um, but Huber, playing Modern Warfare Remastered and playing the multiplayer, I, as I said last frame trap, it's nice just kind of feeling like what matters the most is slowly stalking mm -hmm. around this map and pointing at shooting at guys. Yeah, I like that boots on the ground. I, like it's not about just bouncing all over the place. But I don't think the answer is just to make that again. You know what yeah, I mean? Of course. Because yeah, of I think course. if you, I think if you do scale it back, you have a danger of just like trying to recapture this weird nostalgia, and that's gonna feel weird. And I said, I think, I think what it needs to do is it kind of needs another modern warfare moment where it's like, okay, we're just gonna make this feel different. Yeah. Like we're going to like maybe we're not going to do kill streaks. Maybe we're not going to do like something just else. Like be bold and and go in a totally different direction. Um, because. Yeah, I, for as much as I, I hear people clamoring for the Modern Warfare 1 and Modern Warfare 2 days, I, like, I don't think just doing that again is all that exciting. I want Call of Duty 2, Brie Court. Let's go. Well, Yeah. Throwback. Yeah. Thompson, submachine gun. So good, man. Oh, can we get like a, a remaster of the original Call of Duty? That'd be so cool. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Calling you. <laughs> I, I am getting a little burnt out on, on remasters, I think. Sure. I don't know why. No, no. I know, I know you don't like this. Love I got a like remaster talk. for you. Yeah. I love, um, Skyrim. 
Skyrim. You know what was fun? Yes. I really enjoyed playing Skyrim for two hours and then deleting it from a hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It was really fun, like them being like, you just learned shouts. Now you need to go to the top of the mountain and speak with the great dragon monks. And they'll tell you, I'm like, bye. Delete. <laughs> it's yeah. like, because I've, I've played that game to death, you know? And like, yeah. I just, I played it because I wanted to stream it. I wanted to see, you know, that game holds up. And it's, man, that, that, that vibe, I, it's got to be a word for that. In an RPG, that first time you like sell loot you just got and get an item and then buy a shield and your stat goes up Economy, slightly and then you're baby. like oh no you know like that little that little taste of improvement that little dopamine like oh it's so good you know and then, and then you can just see your trajectory through the rpg you're like okay time to make myself better and it's fun it's fun to just full stop on a game <laughs> like bye skyrim um but uh uh Good music, good action in that game. Love the, the, bow, music. the bow and arrow. Yeah. Shooting skeletons in the head with a bow and arrow just yeah, never stops being fun. Sorting uh, things. And Skylanders finally cracked all, open all of those and played it. Uh, and I love that because it's a great chat engagement game. Chad helped me make uh, a Skylander. You can create your own Skylanders now. And so I made a little uh, red and black uh, tiki dude with a big tiki head and white eyes. And you can pick their slogan. And uh, in a very deep voice, he says, I like emotion. <laughs> and that's the, the official Easy Ally Skylander. <laughs> yes. I, like I like emotion. emotion. Yes. I like emotion. That is amazing. And then as you level up, as you, you, you'll go through the game and you'll unlock, like, there's two parts of a sentence. You pick, like, the first part. So, like, I like was the first part. Emotion was the second part. And you unlock more of those for them to say. But, um, yeah. So, thank you, Chad, for, uh, thank you, thank you our, our, our viewers on Twitch for helping me build that guy. That was fun. Uh, I want to go back to Skyrim just really quick um, because the last Bethesda game I played before Skyrim, this remastered version, was Fallout 4. Um, And uh, I really enjoy Fallout 4, but something I I don't love about Fallout 4 is is the beginning, the way it begins. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't... Everything about it felt so... I don't know. Like the dialogue didn't work for me. the The relationship between you and your family, like the the drama, just wasn't there. the The, the mojo just wasn't there. And you, you like when you when you boot up Skyrim, and you hear that chanting, yeah, rawr, 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 like it it just puts you in the mood. Like yeah. you want to be in this this northern realm exploring, and it's it's a simple thing, uh, but but it's so important. And being a prisoner and about to have your head chopped off and having that dragon come and crash in. And all the other guys around you being cool about it. Yeah. Being like, we were captured, we're about to be executed, I stand by my beliefs, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, so, like, take it like a man, you know, yeah. like... Setting the tone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And absolutely. Macho Man Randy Savage comes flying in and starts yelling at you, like, totally unexpected. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, um... It's weird because I think, uh, just playing the Skyrim Remastered briefly, um, I don't think I've played it as much as, much as you have. Mm. Uh, I, I would never say I, like, I've played it to death, but I, I think I like that game more than I remember liking it. I think Skyrim was just so in my face for so long that for whatever reason I kind of distanced myself from it because I was just getting sick of hearing about it all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, giving it another chance, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this is really good and they, they have done some extremely smart things here. Do you want to know why I love remasters? Yeah. That game's another change. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, and now Mankind Divided changing my life, you know, that whole big thing. Skyrim bothered me the first time around because I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I was looking at it like I look at so many games, completionist style. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter if I go explore all these caves, find the best sword in the entire game versus having just a wooden club because of the scaling and stuff. I'm still going to kick everyone's ass. Well, I, so I, that took me so out of it, but I think now 
going in and just like letting it happen, I think I'll enjoy it a lot more. Well, that's a, that's kind of the thing. I Skyrim was was a game where I kind of had your your moment in mm-hmm. because I was sort of trying to to do everything, you know, and yeah. and so I was just scouring the map, just like going up and down the map, like from from the you know the west to the east, more or less. And I I got about halfway through, and I'm like. I think I've got like 80 something hours into this game already <laughs> and I haven't barely touched the story or anything as I'm like okay I'm gonna start finding a way to make this more manageable I'm just I'm not gonna go everywhere I'm just gonna go to like to the to the main cities I'll go to the main cities, see what's happening in the main cities you know start finding these quests and then there are things like uh, you know like uh, like you were saying that like I just I don't want to do that yeah. Like, I don't want to get yeah. into the Thieves Guild or the Necromancy thing or what I forget what, exactly what they were. But there were just, like, a couple of, like, huge quest lines. Yeah. I'm like, nah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care about yeah. that at all. Yes. It does not interest me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on and do something else. But, but what's crazy is that there's, there's so much to Skyrim and that you see people that, like, are basically still playing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't get it. At some point, you've got to have exhausted that game. But so many mods. People keep, so keep many getting mods. in there. Something that as I get older, though, um, what I appreciate more are just games where I get to be in a place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that that maybe I don't have to do anything. Maybe you aren't pulling me along. But for even if there there are, there are now times when I play games and I just accomplish like in certain games I accomplish nothing. I do nothing. Like I didn't change my character or this world in the three hours that I played it. I just. Walked around exactly. and yeah. killed some things. Far Cry Primal was that game. Yeah, for me, where it's yeah. Awesome. Like, I don't really like Far Cry Primal, but yeah. I'm enjoying being in yeah. the Stone Age. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of opposite of Huber with with Witcher Three. You know, and, you know, and not being necessarily on the quest. You know, he's like, I do the thing in the Witcher Three that I tell nobody to do. You know, because like I'll come over some hill and I'll see some weird thing. You know, it's like, oh, this is cool. Like this place kind of has some kind of thought and backstory behind it but there's there's no quest here there's nothing going on here but there's this ruined uh trebuchet or something just stuck in in a ravine i'm like what was that about i don't know you know and just you know it just kind of had that believability where i just i just want to wander around i want to be selfish and force cd project red to make witcher 3 expansions like every two months (laughs) (laughs) just like come on more <laughs> now, yeah. Yeah. now, G <laughs> Project Red, Brandon oh. Jones. Yeah, we got a little Skyrim. We got a little Skylanders. Yeah. Anything else you wanna you wanna dig into those a little bit more? You got anything else for me? We That's all I got. You going? know, builders always builders. But, always uh, builders, <laughs> Brandon. Brandon, you the way that you embrace that game and you t- then you the score that you gave somewhere. It. Like, yeah, my, the last five minutes of all of my builders play sessions, I just get to a high point and just like just look around at the world and nice. the things I built. You know, like. Jolly, very. But um, need to stop playing that. Don't don't support that. Whenever I say builders, be like, no, Jones. No, I, I can't do builders. that. That's not, that's not who yeah, I am. Chapter man. one, I'm gonna catch up. You know, you know, <laughs> I, I, I will enable that all the way. <laughs> yep. I want to know what Huber's been playing. Not that much. Uh oh. Yeah. Not one big much. one. You guys are playing some, crazy things. I got some rapid fires. We we'll get some rapid some fires. Movies and stuff. Saw some movies. Please. Uh, the remaster I want to talk about though, real quickly. Dead Rising Two. Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't even know you've been on that. Yeah. 
Uh, just a little on the side, a little Dead Rising 2 on the side. That's the motorcycle guy, right? You were, sometimes yeah. you just Chuck say Green. things, and I just feel a swell of, like, love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Rising 2, I didn't I remember not liking it as much as Dead Rising 1, like yeah. not even close. Me too. Uh enjoying it so much more what? this time around. Uh, when I finished Dead Rising 2, I was like this is an excellent game. Loved I it. I loved it. I love it. But I I still liked the mall sure and, and the 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 feel and the vibe of 1. 2 was a little more simulator, a little more slower paced, a little more realistic if you can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot more. The those remasters are so well done. Dead Rising Four is like a couple weeks away, and I feel like we don't know much about it. Yeah, they they have just came out with a bunch of stuff on uh, IGN first. It's a lot of info. I, I think time mechanic gone. No mm, co-op. Yeah, that's gone. right. Yeah. Co-op is gone. Co-op gone. No time mechanic. It's yeah. People are uh, pretty upset. I'm I'm pretty upset. Yeah, because like, the time mechanic makes it for me, and because they are catering. To, they're they're alienating me right now. I feel so cast aside mm. because the time mechanic of Dead Rising is so critical to my love for that game. It is such a unique feature and it works so well. And they come out and you know, like quoting them on this, they they, they basically said, uh, you know, people just really want to run around and and kill zombies and not have to worry about the time. So well, you, uh, we're you, gonna get rid of that. And I'm just like, well, you don't have to worry about the time if you don't have, if you don't worry about it, right? You know, like you can already make that choice, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like when the when the clock runs out in the first game, you can keep playing, exactly. You just won't get that and specific two, ending. And, and two is such a good feature where it's like you can start the story over at any time and carry over all your pro- all right. your level mm. up, all your cash. So it's like, yo, you can go mess around, not worry about time, kill everyone, and then oh, you've leveled up a bunch. Okay, now go back, start yeah, the story, yeah. but. And it's so upsetting to hear him like abandon the entire core here's of the, that franchise. Here's the thing about a horde of enemies in, in almost any game is the horde of enemies are there to like interrupt something way more important and way more interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Diablo, the horde of enemies is like you getting sweet loot, right? Like there's <laughs> a, there's an obstacle there that leads to something else that's more interesting. In Dead Rising. Because you had that time limit, when you got out and you were, you were going to a new place and it was just covered with zombies and you're like, okay, I have to get over there, Yes. but there's this sea of undead in my way that meant something. You mm-hmm. felt something. There was tension there. Yes. There was excitement. Like, sure, maybe you could shoot dildos at them and that was funny and there's value <laughs> in that as well, but there was more to it than that. If you take that away, you just have nothing and yeah. it gets really boring yeah. and dumb. Because And, and two, to, to build on that, it's like when you finish a main part of the quest and it's like 9 p.m. and it's like all right come back at 8 a.m. it's like all right i got some time on my hands let's go explore the mall <laughs> yeah, 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 let's yeah, do yeah. this so yeah like playing it again too i'm realizing that like the time isn't that restrictive mm-hmm. it's not as restrictive as yeah. i thought it was well it's it, again it's based on your goals yeah it's restrictive it's if it's getting in the way of what you want to do yeah. but if you just want to run around and have fun nothing's stopping you from mm-hmm. doing that yeah so I think it's just think it's going through like an identity crisis because totally. like to me it was a little bit too much to see like the trailer and see Frank like in the mall with like a Christmas tree made out of undead that's on fire and he's just like yeah and I'm like okay so Dead Rising Four's not hard I guess you know because like he seems super comfortable yeah. like he seems almost like he's enjoying this like he's like I don't want to leave I love being you know in Willamette um, and uh, 
and so it's like yeah if, if like if like i uh, you know, end up playing like a christmas stream or something end up like booting up dead rising 4 and it starts out and he's just like it's been so many years since we're i'm like no you can't yeah do pick a tone dude you can't like mm-hmm. have the best of both worlds i love the difficulty of those games too it makes everything more meaningful like leveling mm-hmm. up feels good finding a new weapon combination feels good like completing those quests getting people back to base feels so rewarding that's when i stopped yeah that's when i stopped dead rising 2 it was one really long uh escort yeah and then i was like on the way back and they died on the way back and i just did the math and i was like that was a half an hour that i'm gonna have to do all over again I just let him die. And I stopped playing. Let him, I was like, let him burn. I don't want to do that again. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I could. I think it was like a you know, story thing. Because it's cool too because they reward you for like picking them up as yeah. well, you know? It's like, yo, you initiate the escort, you get a nice little bonus, and then yeah. you get another bonus if you get them all the way back. So like if sure. they die, I'm like, well, at least I like initiated that and got that. Like, man, Dead Rising 2 and 1. Good. So great. Ben's depressed over here. <laughs> I am depressed. Yeah. I am I know, depressed. It, hurts. it really hurts. <laughs> it's it's just like it's something I've been thinking about off and on. And uh, The Witcher Three has has reminded me of this in a lot of ways. Where like you you have a Dead Rising and you have this these moments in Dead Rising that are supremely frustrating. Like you were saying, like doing an escort quest, having the AI be just absolutely. It's stupid. a lot better in two. Oh my it god! Is, yeah. one, it, it is, is like, it's one. It is. one. It is the worst. In it's one, still it's not great in two, yeah. right? And you, you, I'm just. The point is, you have frustrating moments yeah. where you, you're like, this is not as elegant as it as it should be. But like, I would rather have that. I would rather occasionally get really frustrated and have a more interesting, intricate game than have it streamlined to the point where there's no identity anymore mm-hmm. and. I, like there's absolutely no depth and no complexity. And another game that that comes to mind immediately is, when I say that is Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma is a mountain of tiny annoyances, mm-hmm. but like if you can muscle through that, those those tiny annoyances in a way kind of allow for a really weird, fucking awesome game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like. Aren't there enough games that are streamlined to the point it's, of dullness anyway? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Seriously, it's so brutal. It's like, oh, everyone just wants to kill the zombies. Yeah. No. no. Make it a mode. You know, make, make it a that... mode. Didn't they have a mode? It was like they uh, split it like Minecraft. Overtime, you know, like have, yeah. have just a mode where it's like there's no story in this mode. You just run around. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Enough. Enough Dead Rising. Enough. Enough, enough quick rage. Fire. What? Quick fire. What quick else you got fire, for me? Uh, some movies. Saw some friggin' phenomenal movies. We're in Oscar season right now. <laughs> it's heating up. It's getting nuts. Saw first off. There will be zero. I don't even want to talk about this movie. I just what? want to say, if you haven't, go see Arrival. Yeah. Immediately. Huber, I feel like it this is, is a the, movie where I don't want you to tell me anything yeah, about nothing, it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Nothing. It is just the perfect storm of like, just go see it as fast <laughs> as you can. That's all I got to say. Um, saw Loving. A uh, very emotional very emotional film. I have uh, never heard of Loving. Hit Loving me. has Joel Edgerton, and it's about a white man in the 50s marrying a black woman in the South. Very intense, very intense film. Um, there, like, I need to see it again because I didn't feel as emotional as I thought I would for a movie like this that's mm. such a heavy topic mm. there was like this uh like Joel Edgerton what felt kind of removed from the whole thing and that as a viewer kind of like hit me I was like 
if he's removed, like I'm kind of removed. Like it was, it was a complex movie. I need to see it again, but uh, super good movie. Uh, next on the list is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. <laughs> yes, I I didn't know what to make of this movie. Oh man! Like okay. why why is why are you so excited about it? Because it's not Harry Potter, man. Okay. Because it's not, and like you want to go into that like I went into that theater trying to distance and block out as much Harry Potter as I could. And the reason this movie is so phenomenal is, one, because I'm a Hufflepuff, and Newt Scamander <laughs> spoke to my soul, dude. <laughs> who, who is Newt Scamander, and why did he speak to your soul? Eddie we got to expand plays Newt, and he is referenced in the later Harry Potter movies. He's a legendary... Uh, founder of book author, book he wrote, author. Fantastic Beasts Where to Find Them is yeah. a book that he wrote that Hermione references. Yes, so it's 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 there in Hogwarts Library. Like it's it is a, mm. it is a textbook if you go to Hogwarts. And okay, so, so sometimes I feel like I have these questions about Harry Potter, and you two just look at me and like, come on, no, come it's on. fine, you're good. <laughs> and <laughs> I felt more emotion between him and animals than I have between any characters in any movie this year. The movie does do a good job of slowing down at, at points and letting you really absorb, like, really get, get a good look at a creature and wonder, like, wow, where is this from? And what is the, you know... There's like, just... The, like, the, there, is there similarities between animal, animals that are on Earth, but it's mm -hmm. kind of like... Um, which it's kind of like Avatar, where they'll take, like, animals and put them to, like, fuse them together, you know, and you get fun little... Uh, or Monster Hunter. Different or creatures. Monster. Or Monster Hunter, yeah. There's just so much empathy and emotion and heart and soul and, and magic in this movie. I was just... I, I was just, I smiled so many times. I, I felt so many emotions. Like hmm. J.K. Rowling wrote this first Harry Potter yeah. movie. She's written. Yeah. Uh, she's my favorite author of all time. Like she is. I, I put her on a pedestal. I think she is the best living author right now. Um, and the characters are just so full bodied. These are like the four main characters and, and some other characters. Again, I don't want to get into like super plot details. Um, but I compare it to, like, Marvel, where you have these villains that are so one-dimensional, that have no stakes or emotions. Like, I, re I recently went back and I watched uh, Civil War, and I have more respect for Baron Zemo now. I hated that villain at first. Um, I think he's, like, the best villain in Marvel. But Marvel has a villain problem where you just don't care. And villains drive the plot of these movies, and if I don't care about that person like what is going to make me care about the hero being triumphant or the hero overcoming right. that it's like you anyway know, there, there's so much depth and nuance and like there's so many layers to every character and and the world and she doesn't jam harry potter lore down your face there's just enough there yeah. for fans to really grab hold of and be like oh that's that's cute like she's not forcing it on you and it helps the fact that there's nobody from the Harry Potter movies in the movie, because it's, like, so far before. Hmm. Uh, it's in America. Uh, it's in the 1920s. Like, there's so much distance. And what, there's, it's, it's funny, there's one thing I always wanted to learn more about in the Harry Potter universe, and that was the Salem Witch Trials. 
Yeah. And they kind of like a little bit. There's yeah. a little bit of that in this movie, and and kind of puritanical rage. Yeah. You know, just like uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of sentiment yeah. carrying over from the colonies, and, and that's it. That's, um, that's all I'm gonna say about I, that movie. I, I know you want to uh, separate it from Harry Potter, and, yeah. and rightfully so, because it seems like you know it, it stands on its own merits. But a lot of what you're describing is is how I would describe Harry Potter in a Absolutely. very positive way, yeah. where all of those positive feelings, like putting you in this world and kind of mm-hmm. just tucking you in and, and letting tucking you be a part in. of it. Um, but the other thing that, that I think is even more important than that is, you know, Harry Potter, for all of its successes, I think one of its biggest successes is the relationship Voldemort has with every single person in that world mm-hmm. and how they build it up and how they make it feel like how this person matters. You know, they're not just there to be behind the scenes and, and cause evil and destruction. Like, mm-hmm. they... You you feel for them, you relate to them, yes. um, and they're both they're both ominous and practical uh, at the same time. And I, I don't know if the villain is like that. It, the mm. mo- it's too early to talk about any specific details. We're not talking about any details. Go yeah, it's it. gonna be interesting to okay. see. Uh-huh. We're not talking about any of that. Supposedly five movies. So it's gonna be interesting to see what's next. I have a counterpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw this film with my wife, and Harry Potter is her favorite thing ever. And she was like, "Do you yeah. think she likes Harry Potter more than she likes you?" Uh, yeah, if like, <laughs> if like if like Harry Potter. Yeah, I'm trying to think because it's like it's like the burning bridge analogy. It's like we were both hanging off like a bridge, like right. help, you know. And it was like me and like Cedric Diggory. I don't know if she'd reach for me. I just, okay. I just don't know. I just don't know. You know, th- there was no hesitation there. You were like, well, no, yeah. probably not. I like uh, that. Yeah. That was good. Okay. Uh, and she was iffy. She was like, she was she was not a huge fan. Um, I would say the best thing about Fantastic Beasts is just the world. It reminded me a lot of Azkaban, which is my, I think, the best, not only the best Harry Potter film, but like anything after that's like, it just gets really weird. Uh, part seven was 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 uh, pretty good in parts. But um, uh, just going into a place, seeing people live, seeing people like, just be, use magic, like whatever, I'm just whatever, you know, and then you have Dan Fogler, uh, you know, his perspective, which was, I think, one of the most refreshing. He's my yeah. favorite part of that movie. Uh, but, and we had never seen that in the books or in the films or anything really, but a... A, a non-magic user, us, basically being like forced into this world and seeing it, you know, from their perspective, and you like, you like go into the the ministry in the U.S. and it's just like, whoa, that sign, ah, crap, you know, it's like I can't wait to get the Blu-ray and like pause and be like, oh, cool, like all those little details because you're not seeing something that was like, oh, I know what that says because I read the books. It's like I don't, whoa, what was that? Who's that? Whoa. So like that was really neat. Mm. I just thought the characters were kind of one note, like oh. new to me. New was good, but he was, it was just, he just kind of plateaued. And the main female character was like kind of dumb like not great like there was just like I, I found myself it, it kind of reminded me like a, a bad horror movie in some parts where like a character would do something and I'm like surely there must be 50 ways out of the situation other than the mistake you just made like you're a magician like you just apparated five seconds ago but now you're stuck in okay you know like where it's like trying not to think too hard and like and there was like a lot of I was there with a lot of Harry Potter fans and like when we were like you know, leaving the theater, I was like, could they have? And they're like, yeah, they could have. I don't, don't, you know, don't talk to me about that. That was a bad scene. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but like, it's, and, and, and much, and if you, if you are a Harry Potter fan, much less whimsy, like definitely not as like comical and like mm. <laughs> magic's fun. It's very serious, very, deals with some very interesting issues that I think are actually topical uh, in today's society as well. It being a hundred years in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, go see it. It's fun. If you're a Harry Potter fan, yeah, no question. Go, go check it out. I love it. I love I love this this but back and forth. One thing. of my favorite movies, <laughs> hands yeah. down. Okay, so all right. Good. Lastly, you got, you got anything else for us? Rapid fire. I, I had the journey. I had the pleasure of seeing 
Guillermo del Toro last night. Oh yeah. Wait, in what? the flesh? How? Yeah. I in saw the that. Flesh. Did, he, did he summon you? Like what? <laughs> he. You say that exhibition right? mirror five times. I stalk him on Twitter, <laughs> and luckily, uh, LACMA uh, is having a Guillermo del Toro exhibit mm -hmm. that I got the chance to go to, which is phenomenal. It's like his personal collection. He one night I was lying in bed, and he tweeted out. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be at the Crimson Peak screening, doing a Q and A." Okay. Immediately bought tickets. Uh, so I had the chance to watch Crimson Peak uh, with him there. And it was it was just absolutely glorious. It was a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Guillermo del Toro, man. He was like leaving because it was super late. And he's like walking off stage and everyone is like, his handlers, like the LACMA people are like shooing him off. People are like trying to get autographs. I bought my book, brought my book to like try to get him to sign. And it was hopeless, right? Like there, I was like, there's no way he's signing this. So I go, Mr. Del Toro, just a handshake? And he looks over and he's like, oh, yeah. And he like walks over like three steps, reaches down, and I shake his hand and look him in the eyes. I'm just like, thank you. It's like, yes. Well, it was like one of the best moments of my life. I'm nice. Kidding. It's amazing. Good news. I can officially announce it here at our first official meet and greet on December 2nd at 6 p.m. at the Avalon Ballroom inside the Hilton Anaheim. Handshakes. 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 Uh, no, but he basically confirmed that he's working with Kojima on the next game. He basically said it. He's like, oh, I can't really say anything about that now because he got asked about PT, obviously. Yeah. So, Guillermo, man, we know. Huber, I got two things to say to you. Hmm. All I want in life yeah. is... Del Toro and Kojima to work together and it's make happening. and make that video game. I it's want that. It's seriously happening. But I also have some uh, news for you. Hmm. You said the forbidden word of this episode, Kojima. Uh -oh. <laughs> and it's time for a new segment. Forbidden what? word! When... Dude, Ben Moore's Playhouse right now. What's happening? Yeah, that's right. You said the forbidden word, Kojima. And so this is going to be a new segment on the show. I, I don't know when it's going to happen. It's whenever somebody says the forbidden word... <laughs> We get caught in a frame trap oh by God. saying the forbidden word, oh you no. initiate oh the no. frame trap, oh no. which we are stuck in until we play a short game okay. and, and oh untangle no. ourselves oh no. from the frame you trap. Yeah. You've been playing really, really quickly, though, Del Toro was amazing when yeah. he was talking about PT. He was saying that that was... Like, he, he basically reiterated everything. Sure. I was like kind of annoyed when the guy was like... The question guy was like, uh, you know, we really miss PT. Can you tell us about it? It's like, yo, Google that. Yeah. Right. He's, he's, <laughs> right. he's right. on record saying it so many times. Yeah. But the best part is, was that when he reiterated everything, at the very end, he said, fucking Konami. <laughs> that must have been in person, just hearing that you're like... Every dude, I was like, yeah! Right. <laughs> it's amazing. We need you to. We need you to get these things on, on footage of these. Here. I know. I there, should have recorded that. Yeah, you probably uh, wouldn't have been allowed. Out, but yeah, Huber, I, I certainly don't mean to to cut you off. That's that was not my that's intention. It. That's uh, it. Wow. You, you're done. You're Got good. It. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. So we can. You're gonna bring up Dishonored too, right? I will bring up Dishonored too. I have to. I have to talk about Dishonored too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is our game for our first caught in a frame trap segment. I hope you're all excited. Uh, so th this is not meant to be like a super long distraction. It's just meant to keep people on their toes, have a little bit of fun. Uh, I thought it was funny. Anyway, here we go. Uh, what we're doing today for the very first Cotton Frame Trap is I have six video game print 
advertisements. Okay. Uh, and I, I took a slogan from each of those advertisements, and uh. I'm going to give you three options. And you have to uh, tell me which is the correct one for the slogan. Now, I'm going to be keeping score, okay? Okay. And the person that gets the most actually gets to break us out of the frame trap. Okay. You can use a physical gesture or a saying, or you can just scream whatever you think will break us out of this particular frame trap. That's what I want you to do. Okay. All right. Are we ready to begin? Okay, so this is, this is the first slogan. Uh, you can actually hear your pupils dilate. Which video game used this slogan? Now, don't shout it out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you each pick an answer from the three. I'm going to go okay. Brandon, Huber, Blood. Okay? So your options are Final Fantasy VII, Crash Bandicoot Three, or Resident Evil 2. Brandon. Which of those three games use that slogan Shit, in an advertisement? Uh, the first game, which is I totally forget what it was now. Final Fantasy VII. I say Final Fantasy VII. Okay, Huber. Oh man, I was so, I'm going with my gut. I'm also gonna say Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Yeah. Resident Evil Two. Okay. Brandon and Huber, you're both right. It was Final oh, Fantasy wow. VII. I think I it remember is, that one, actually. It is a hilarious advertisement. Yes. It's both hilarious and pretty awesome. It's uh, <laughs> Sephiroth looking at Genova, and then <laughs> in white, like, bold text, it goes, you can actually hear your pupils dilate. <laughs> and the minute I saw that, that's how I thought of this game. And, uh, yeah, it, it uh, really did a lot for me. Okay, so both uh, 1.4 Brandon and Michael Huber. We did it. Uh some of these are, are pretty easy. Some of them are pretty difficult. I, I tried to mix it up as much as I could. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one, number two. More fun than a ferret down your trousers. Wow. Your options that are... That one's Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Game Gear, Neo Geo Pocket, or Game Boy. Brandon Jones. Uh, again, number one. I think that, that sounds more like Sega than Nintendo. I'll go with Game Gear. Okay. Uh, Brandon's going with Game Gear. Again, your three options are Game Gear... Neo Geo Pocket or Game Boy? I'm saying Neo Geo Pocket on this one. Okay. I think it's got to be Game Gear. Yeah. Okay. Guess what, panel? You're oh, all no. wrong. Oh, oh, no way. Yeah. So something. Yeah. So something. Wow. Yep. Uh, so it was the original. It was original Game Boy advertisement, and <laughs> it is a man that I. Something is going on with his pants, and the. The slogan is more fun than a ferret. Oh my god! Wow. Down your trousers. Anyway, uh, the, the, a point that, that I want to bring up. Like, that doesn't sound like fun. Yeah. Having a ferret. No. Yeah, yeah, that could be anything, really. It was weird. So that's the thing about early Nintendo print ads is they're very weird and oftentimes very sexual. Uh, so I encourage you to go look at those. They're they're very. <laughs> they had a whole series where they like did this, you know, kind of like fifties vibe, like all these like black and white, like, you know. Stay-at-home moms and and leave it to Beaver-looking dads and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Fallout. And they, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of that vibe. And uh, and then there was another one where like they had like the the guy with the beast hair. I remember and like yeah. the red lights and everything. Ben, I got a pitch for you. Yeah, pitch you me. and I, you and I are gonna start a video game magazine. Oh my god, no? okay. that that is actually all I've I ever know. wanted okay. to do in my okay. life. All yeah, right. um, but it's only gonna have print advertising <laughs> from the nineties. Yes. 
every single page is just going to be ads. Yes. But they're are all these... old ads. Okay. And these aren't like old ads that we're making up. These are like actually old. And these are actual okay. old ads. Great. Great. And maybe like Highlights Magazine, we'll put a fake one in there. And okay. we'll see who can find it. Ooh. We'll like, There's I like a fake one in there. We'll see if you can find it. Let us know. Really I think great. that is an At gameadmagazine.com. <laughs> our, uh, our third question, or third slogan, not a third question, our third slogan. Simple one. Size does matter. Oh, yeah. Wait. Wait, no. Your options are Knack, Katamari Damashi, or Pro Fishing Challenge. Okay. Brandon Jones. Uh, Katamari, I would say. Okay. Katamari. It's probably Knack, but... Okay. Knack. Pro Fishing Challenge! Oh, gosh. It is a woman uh, holding My a fish God. Uh, for this game, Pro Fishing Challenge, which I have not played, and it just oh my says, God, ben, you're evil. size does matter. God. I should have known the game that nobody would be familiar yep. with. Yep. Ooh, I like this. We've only got oh one, yeah. two points on the board so far. Yeah. The, the misdirection is yeah. top tier. Yeah. No, I, I, I put some effort into this. Come is it Damashi? Uh, Am I, have I been saying that wrong forever? I, I believe Dimashi. it is Damashi, yeah. yeah. It's like uh, Buscemi. It's like well, Buscemi, it's, it's a weird thing because yes. it's spelled Damasi, but there's not actually like a, that sound in Japanese. Correct. So, yes. Yeah. Blood uh, is completely correct on that. Yep. Uh, slogan four. You've got to be fast to last. Your options are A, Sonic the Hedgehog, B, Street Fighter 2, or C, Tetris. Fast to last. Uh, I'll go Tetris. None of these feel right. None of this feels good at all. Okay. But I'll say Tetris. Uh, I should... Never mind. I can't do it now. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm going to say... Sonic. Okay. Tetris. Okay. Um, this is this is actually my fault. I think it would have. Uh, I think it would have informed your opinions. I meant to say it is actually Street Fighter Two Turbo. Uh, yeah. It's that edition, so that might have that might have changed your answers oh. a little bit. So I, I messed that up. Selling the fastness yeah. specifically. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, it might have made it a little bit too obvious. But yes, it, it was actually Street Fighter Two Turbo. Oh my god. Yeah. So we keep we keep not. Getting points, but that one was me. That was that was. Uh, I would argue that if you play uh, that game very quickly, you're you're missing the nuance. Uh, yeah. it's really not going to help you develop your skill necessary to, to be Street Fighter Two if you if you play too aggressively. Well, it is but, your genre. But no, yeah. if you go back and you play the original Street Fighter Two compared to Turbo or anything, it's just like, right? Whoa, <laughs> this is really slow. Why is it so slow? All yeah. right, I'm not going to rig this next slogan. I'll get this one right. Uh, two words on this one. Number five. Gear up. <laughs> Option A, Diablo 2. Option B, Splinter Cell. Option C, Metal Gear. Ooh. Just the franchise or like the actual first Metal Gear for the first NES? First Metal Gear for okay. the NES. Uh, fuck, I uh, what was the first one? Sorry. I forget all of them. Right? Sure. The second that you say them. Diablo 2. Splinter Diablo. Cell. Yeah, I'll go Diablo okay, Diablo 2. 2. Splinter Cell and the Metal Gear. So. Yeah. I'm saying Splinter Cell. Okay. Daniel Bloodworth. I'm going to go Metal Gear. One of us has got to get right. Yeah. Bloodworth is on the board. <laughs> it is Metal Gear on the, on the, NES. <laughs> on the NES. Gear up. Gear up. Yep. And it's, it's actually a pretty cool ad. It just says gear up in the Metal Gear font. And then uh, it's got a bunch of weapons all around it. So, yeah, gear up. 
Not something you would traditionally associate with with Metal Gear, but at that time, you know, Metal Gear wasn't really defined as much as it is now. So it's it's interesting. Uh, this one, <clears throat> different time. Uh, okay, <laughs> scary. Yeah, number six, domestic violence. Oh my. Uh, your options are a. That's the whole thing. That's it. Domestic That's the slogan. Violence. That's the slogan of the ad. <laughs> That's oh the slogan of the ad. Yeah, this. Whoa. It's like a, it's like somebody trying to like get a bad Whoa. Google translation of Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say. It, it <laughs> is. Please let that be one of the. It's, it's trying to be edgy in a painful way. I think. Uh, anyway, your options are, Virtua Fighter, loaded on the PS One. I don't know if you guys remember that yes. game. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know what that yeah. game is. And then option C, Tao Feng, Fist of the Lotus, which is a fighting game for the Xbox. It had uh, the the face. The cover of it was like a guy like gritting his teeth, going "er." So those are your options. I got. I mean, Tao Fang is such a deep cut. I gotta go Tao Fang. Mm -hmm. Why would Ben bring up Tao Fang if it was Tao Fang? <laughs> yeah. Why would Ben bring up Tao Fang? Don't underestimate. What the hell? Okay. I'm what? saying loaded. Screw it. Okay. It's my. I gotta follow my gut. Loaded. Virtua Fighter. Wow. We all have one point. What is the domestic? Suzuki, you Suzuki. Come I from. apologize. I don't. I apologize, Mr. Suzuki-san. Virtual Fighter. I don't, um, I don't get what the reference to that is supposed to be. Domestic violence? What was the ad yeah. to? Was it a man and a woman in the ad? So it was, a, it was an ad for the 32X <laughs> version of Virtual Fighter. And it, I, I may be misremembering. It was two people playing it. Okay. It was like, I think it was like a man and like a little kid, but I could be misremembering. It might be a man and a woman, but it's like two people playing in front of the TV and just like in red text is domestic violence. <laughs> It's awful. Wow. Uh, I don't. I don't wow. support that message, but it was. It was a very bizarre ad. But I will laugh at it. Yes, uh, I will laugh at that ad. I'm not laughing at the issue by any means. Don't don't mistake me, yeah. please. Um, I you know that I was just gonna end it at six because I, I don't think the final three are as good. But I'm having so much fun that we might we might do a couple. We're more. also all tied. Yeah. You're also all tied. That's well, a good point. Let's do sudden death. Let's do sudden death. Sudden death. Sudden death. First win uh, breaks okay. us out. Like, I don't. I don't think these uh, next three are as strong as the, the first six. But uh, okay, number seven. No fear. Not not an O fear. Like no understand fear. So no fear. Ooh. I mean, Silent Hill three, Resident Evil three, Clock Tower three. Uh. I'm going to say Resident Evil 3 because I remember this slogan, and I don't think I'd remember if it was Silent Hill. It's definitely not Clock Tower. Okay. I'm going to say Silent Hill 3. Okay. Mm. Oh, it's Nemesis, dude. I know it's Nemesis. I'm just so bummed right now. Yeah, I'm going to say Resident Evil. It's Resident Evil 3. Yeah. And it is it, it is Nemesis just staring yeah. at you uh. ominously. And then it's... it's uh, like white text, but then like the K and like, here's the my F uh, Resident Evil red. card. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it is Resident Evil Three <laughs> Nemesis is that ad. So Brandon and Blood are actually tied now. So we gotta we gotta we gotta keep going until this breaks. Okay. Uh, but Hubert, we're gonna keep you in because that's not gonna be fun if you're not in it. Catching up. Okay. Uh, become the ultimate warrior in the ultimate war. Option A. Iron Sword, Wizards and Warriors 2. Wow. B, Bionic Commando. C, Life Force. Uh, all of these are on the NES. I, the only one I know is Bionic Commando. And that sounds like it could possibly fit. 
Doing the first. I think that's obvious. Going it's the, the obvious play. Don't do it. Don't do it. You, so you're doing Bionic Commander? I'm doing Bionic Commander. I'm okay. doing Life Force. Okay. Got nothing to lose now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know all three of those games, and I can't see it being anything other than Bionic Commando. It is Iron Sword, Wizards and Warriors really? 2. Really? For Iron Sword? For we real? Are still, we are still... Deadlocked. Deadlocked between Brandon and Blood. I, I only have one more, Okay. by right. the way. The okay. funny thing is Iron Sword had, like, the... the it was either Fabio or like a Fabio lookalike for the cover. Nice. Yeah, I didn't know it is. It is. It is the Fabio lookalike, and it says above him, "Become the Ultimate Warrior." And the Ultimate yeah. Warrior. Okay, our last one. Hopefully, we can uh, get some sort of break here. The invasion has begun. Independence. That could be yeah. anything. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't like these as much as they're oh, a little gosh. bit more gener- generic. Whereas I, I think the others are. More specifically, weird. Anyway, the invasion has begun. Option A: Halo. Option B, the original StarCraft, or option C, Earth Defense Force 2017. Hmm. Uh, Earth Defense Force. Okay. Earth Defense... Wait, no. What was the first one? Halo. So, one more time. Halo, the original StarCraft, uh, or Earth Defense Force 2017. Going Halo. Okay. StarCraft. Yeah, I think it might be StarCraft. Daniel Blumber takes it! (laughs) StarCraft. Who's my StarCraft card? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see how Invasion would make any sense for the first Halo. Blood breaks out. Yeah. Blood. uh, Breaks out his frame trap. You (laughs) got to break us out of our very first frame trap that we've been stuck in. (laughs) Yeah. You can do it any way you want to. And then you get to talk about what you've been playing. (laughs) I'm going to break us out with a leg sweep, of course. I mean, that's got to be the way to do it. Demonstrate. Demonstrate? Yeah. Demonstrate. The The frame trap demands tribute. I mean, I can, I can, I can do that. There we go. There we oh. go. That was the forbidden bottle of water. He has vanquished it. We're out of the frame trap. Thank you, Daniel Bloodworth. What have you been playing? Oh, man, it's funny because like you, especially and, and Huber as well. Like you guys tend to play, I don't know, like ten games at a time. <laughs> and I get, I get so tunnel vision on whatever the heck I'm on that I for, start forgetting other things that I've been playing and like. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Watch Dogs 2. Watch Dogs 2! Just got done with the review. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird position for me because I actually liked Watch Dogs. <laughs> and, it's right. like, and there's so many people that are out there who are just like, blah, 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 Watch Dogs, that guy was such yeah. a pain in the butt. Like, you know, it's like, I like that game. Me but, too. Um, I didn't think it was a, an atrocious game or anything like that. I just got a little bored after a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are definitely things that I didn't like. Like, for instance, you know, when you're on those detective missions mm-hmm. and you know they just kind of like splatter the icons across the map it's like well i guess i'm not actually solving a case i'm just going all over the map and picking up waypoints you know and, and that and so that was sort of like one of the things that i didn't care for with with watchdogs and and so with that one of the kind of like revelations to me with watchdogs 2 is when i realized this game doesn't do towers this game doesn't do territories. This game doesn't just throw everything on the map and, you know, tell you to go sweep it all up. It's designed differently than a lot of other Ubisoft games. And so, to, you know, kind of like, uh, you know how, like, uh, in Forza, like, you've, like, if you drive by a billboard, then it will pop up on yep. your map? Mm-hmm. That's basically how the collectibles are in Watch Dogs 2. It's like, if you drive by something or if you walk near something... Then it'll pop up on your map. 
But even then, it's like you you do have to get kind of close to it because uh, there was one thing um, they have these things called key data. So like not only do you need enough skill points to unlock certain skills, uh, but there are specific uh, collectibles that you have to pick up to unlock that particular ability. Uh, and one of them was um, yeah. it was at, it was like at the docks, yeah. like the, at the ferry building or whatever. And like I've been there before, but I hadn't been close enough to like put that on my map, you know. So it was it was interesting to you know like oh I actually have to look for things, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and then just like the whole way that open world is designed, and because you know um, you know one of the reasons I think like that stuff isn't fun in Assassin's Creed anymore is like you're literally just like walking over everything. It's like okay, go to that thing and pick it up, and pick this up, and pick this up, and pick and 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 there's no there's nothing stopping you because you can just kind of vertically scale over everything in Assassin's Creed and it's not a problem. Whereas in Watch Dogs, getting up a building is like a puzzle. Yeah. You you have to, it, it, Watch Dogs 2, like you have to figure out, okay, where's something that's like going to give me enough of a stepping stone to get up to the next level of the building. And then it's like, okay, now I can't go anywhere. Is there a vent nearby that I can put my RC car into and put my RC car up higher and then drop something else down? Or is there something I need to unlock? Or is there a lift nearby? Which I guess this is one of the ways people are exploiting it, somebody told me, is people are just like taking scissor lifts and like driving them all over the city. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. That's like, awesome. Uh, Blood, that's two, so cool. Two questions for you. Uh, I really like hearing about this tra- change in structure. Yeah. Um, but... Question A, are, are the things that you're, you're chasing after these puzzles that you're solving, is the end reward worth it? Do you feel like you're, you know, like what you're getting is interesting? Um, and option two, when you talk about these puzzles, you kind of had that in Watch Dogs 1, but the, the problem that I have with Watch Dogs 1 is like a lot of the puzzles felt very similar where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, raise this platform, get behind this fence, hack this thing. And it just kind of became a little one note. Do you think uh, what you're doing to get to these things is, is more involved? I think that there's... Yeah, I think there's more elements that make them more involved, you know? Okay. Because you do have the drone now, which you can kind of use to scout things out. You do have the RC car. You do have more things that you can hack, like all of these, you know, forklifts. And then, like, if you hack a forklift, sometimes it works to just get on top of the forklift and jump off. But other times, it's like, okay, well, now you've got to actually, like, get a, a pallet and raise the pallet up, you know? And, and, and that <laughs> process isn't always that easy. Um, and uh, actually had one scenario where uh, I was messing around the forklift, but there were a bunch of guards nearby, and they're like, guy down the right is like, hey, guys, can you shut down the, the, the network over here? So, you know, and then they blocked me from being able to use the forklift. Yeah. Uh, so stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, and there's also, I was really surprised at like these giant cranes uh, that you can hack. And so there's just, there's just the scale of moving that thing around and like, just being able to go across like a whole sweep of buildings, um, you know, by, by lowering the basket, getting into it, and then just like going back and forth. And Ubisoft just commented on uh, them not doing linear narratives anymore. Did you guys see that quote? No. Um, hmm. Let me let me bring it up. You guys keep talking, and I'll. I mean, there's definitely a linear narrative okay. to Watch Dogs too, but um, but yeah. So, but on the other side of it, you have all these tools, but um, like. I've been annoyed with the controls multiple times uh, because you, you you have a jump button with the RC car, but with Marcus, you don't have a jump button. And so everything 
is like you just hold the R trigger and then you, you parkour over things. But it's like only if like the programmers painted that as being parkourable. Mm. So uh, I actually, I don't know if uh, you'll get this shot for the review, but I actually have this place where there's a, there's a boardwalk, right? And I, I walk up to one side of the boardwalk and Marcus just kind of like stands against it. I go around to the other side and he jumps over onto the boardwalk. And I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> Why can I climb one side of this and not the other? And it's so just like, it's weird, dumb things like that. Because it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where you can't, you can't predict what you can do necessarily because it's not about a set distance or anything. It's just about, has this been painted as being climbable? Uh, mm -hmm. So that can be a little bit frustrating at times. Uh, to or or to like uh, have one of those lifts and like okay I've got this at the height I can jump across over to that thing and it's like nope I just just fall. Infinite Warf not to jump on you but Infinite Warfare has some funny moments where like because you can like have the you know double jump and you can fall from great distances I would like look out of a window and be like oh I'm gonna hop down there and like in midair I'm totally fine and then I'll do like and then the second my feet hit the ground like you're dead I'm like what <laughs> it's like you're just not supposed to go over there it's like well i didn't know <laughs> uh he, he basically said that uh who is he uh ubisoft cco okay name serge hascoit hascoit okay uh said narrative narrative in games should be more of an anecdote factory or a minor part of the game instead of forcing players to follow a narrative path and he wants to give players Freedom to continue the path of the story or venture off into other areas of the game before deciding when or if to return. Okay. Uh, and he says he wants to, to give you total control of where you go, what you do, and all that. Is that... Do you see, like, the foundation of that in Watch Dogs 2? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I kind of see that in a way because um, Watch Dogs 2 is, is really set up to distract you at any point. Um, there, you know, the collectibles are one thing to work because again, because you don't have all those collectibles just flooded onto your map. You walk by, you see an icon pop, and it's like, oh, there's something nearby. I can go do that. Uh, same thing with a lot of the side missions. It's like you see some guy talking on his phone. It's like, oh, you can hack that guy for a side mission. It's like you get into that, and then you start doing the side mission rather than the main mission or the whole thing with the the hacking invasions when they come back online. Um, you know, like. You know, you're, you're just doing whatever you're doing and somebody hacks you and then you start chasing him and then like, okay, well now where am I? What am I doing? You know, after that's over. So it, yeah, it's it's definitely has that towards like, okay, I'm, you know, I can start a main mission or I can go off and do anything else and there's nothing in the world that's blocked off to me. You know, like I said, there's not like territories to take over. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like little spaces of, you know, like alleyways and things that, that people are guarding, but nothing that's like, yeah, you have to take over this huge part of the city or anything. So I, I, I can I can see a little bit of that. Um, and the other thing too, um, which I don't want to repeat myself too much from the review, but but the other thing too is in terms of what you're saying about you know context and urgency and all of that. Like one of the things they set up early on is that because they're hackers, what they're doing to increase their abilities and to infiltrate. Uh, the head company is they're getting followers they're getting their popularity up kind of like Forza you know mm -hmm. and everyone that downloads this Dang. app it's kind of like that uh, folding at home thing they did on the PS3 yeah it's like it's this distributed computing thing so like the more people that have the app the more uh, power you have to infiltrate this and so everything that you do 
feeds into that because you're making yourself more popular and getting more followers and getting more people to download the app. So even if you're doing a motorcycle race or taking a selfie in front of something or whatever, like it gets you followers. So none of this stuff necessarily feels like it's taking away from your goal. It's actually kind of adding to it in a small way. Interesting. Uh, kind of speaking of the, the follower thing, uh, you know, Watch Dogs 2 has a much lighter, I would argue, oh, yeah. uh, tone than, than Watch Dogs 1. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sense of humor and it's, and it's use of, of pop culture, internet language uh, is, is pretty prevalent. Does that stuff, does that stuff work? Like, is it, is it welcome? Is it aggravating? Like, how did you feel about that stuff in Watch Dogs 2? Um, I, I think it's one of those things where it's, it kind of, it feels like a lot at first, but like, as you get into it and you get to know these people, like it just sort of, it, you know, it, it feels like it makes more sense. Okay. You know, it's like, you see, you know, there's a, a couple of characters like Wrench is, you know, he's got all the spikes and he's got the funky mask and stuff. And so like, everyone's like, oh, like these guys are just like weird, extreme tryhards. But then you look at some of the other characters and it's like, Josh is just a nerd in a hoodie. You know, Horatio <laughs> right. is just a, a guy who works at a, a, you know, a tech company. You know, like they're they're not that off the wall, all of them, you know. And, and even the ones um, that are a little bit more extreme, like, you, you know, you get to see a little bit more of their personality as well. So it's, it's, it's not that crazy, um, you know, but you do, when you do a, a mission, they do have kind of to cap it off. They have one of those, you know, crazy dead sec videos with like the jumpy cuts and things like that. And so it's, it's like not in your face all the time. Um, but they do, you know, they, they crack jokes and they're, you know, they're pals with each other and that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, for, for people that, didn't like Watch Dogs 2. You know, I, I think that's that's a fair amount of people. Do you think Watch Dogs... Or not Watch Dogs 2. Sorry, not speaking correctly. But people didn't like Watch Dogs 1. Do you think there's there's enough in Watch Dogs 2 to, to like, warrant a purchase? I mean, I, I would obviously try it out because it's... I, I mean, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know that it's specifically necessarily turn people off. You know, I know I think, I think the attitude is definitely one of those things that could make the difference to where, you know, it, it doesn't feel as, as brooding... Or anything like that. It's not really a revenge story. It's more of like you know these these guys you know just just trying to like hack the system or whatever you know. And it, but it is it is weird because both games have like this really like pessimistic view of you know of corporations and the government and everything. And it's like right. it's like oh all these you know you know companies they want to steal your data and the, and the FBI is all wrapped up in it and everything. And so it's like. That stuff definitely feels a bit heavy-handed. It was like, okay, like I know this is like the conceit you need for your game, but it also is like it's so extreme that it's like beyond, you know, what you could like really swallow for a real-world kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, it just but it is fun to pr play pranks on people and that, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm one of those that that Aiden Pierce was a big turnoff for me in the original mm -hmm. Watch Dogs. I just thought he was as generic as they come and. Uh, the the hero I can't I've played a little bit of Watch Dogs 2 and I can't remember the main character. Oh, name. Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, is just so much more vibrant and interesting and likable. Um, I think. Yeah, he's a super friendly guy. And yeah. one thing that, like, I usually don't care about clothing and customization in games hardly at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what's what's interesting is they put so much effort into it that you you can kind of you know sort of make Marcus your Marcus in a way and like what kind of stuff 
do I think this guy should wear? You know, and so like I go through some of the clothing options and like, no, 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 come on, what the heck, you know? (laughs) And so like there is some of that, you know, like if if I put on an outfit that looks like what Wrench would wear and I'm like, no, that doesn't fit Marcus at all, you know? And and so it's it's interesting to see that. And they even have these little tour shops around the city tours. Like you go to Alcatraz and you can get an Alcatraz shirt or... Uh, and and like not nice. just one either. Like there's a whole list nice. of of t-shirts to buy. Is that separate? Like you aren't forced to go to Alcatraz. You can just go there and like get customizable. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then some of the collectibles are love that are clothing as well. And and you're talking about like whether the rewards feel worth it. I, I I think in terms of like that open world stuff, it's not necessarily that like every reward feels worth the effort, mm-hmm. but it, it's more like. Number one, you know what everything is. They're not like these like strange cryptic things like animus fragments or letters or something. You know, it's like it's like I'm either gonna get a bag of money, which I don't need, so forget that, or clothing, which may be cool, maybe not, or research points, which is gonna like help me level you know up my skills better. Um, but it's it's the fact that that actual putting in the effort is actually what makes it worthwhile to me. Sure, like the fact that I actually have to do something interesting and like basically play a small level to get this thing is what makes it worthwhile not the thing there because you know like i said like you can just run around the map in some of these other games okay i picked it up okay i picked that up and then it doesn't feel like you're doing anything except running around the map um besides watchdogs 2 has anything else been occupying your time i know you kept kind of trying to get that review out yeah um i played a bit of the gwent beta yeah, I played um, a bit of the Gwent beta. Yeah, so jealous. I think it's really good. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wasn't like I, you know, I thought it was I thought it was cool, but like I wasn't like singing the praises of, of Gwent mm-hmm. uh, in Witcher Three. Which having gone back and played more Witcher Three, I think it is stronger than I initially gave it credit That's for. So but good. but I think sorry, I'm I'm just very excited about it. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I think making it a standalone game, they've made some very smart decisions. That like it's not just Gwent from The Witcher Three. It's right. it's more involved. It's more complex. But it I doesn't actually, lose actually that worry, base simplicity. Yeah, I actually worry that it is a bit too complex for like a starter who hasn't had that foundation of The Witcher Three's Gwent. Hmm. There are so many nuances and details to everything. Towards like, how do I just like you know how does somebody just like get into the basics of? Oh, okay, here are these. You know, that campaign. These three cards, you know, like they're here. These three the tiers, and here are how these cards work. It's like you have so many other things layered on top of it now. It's like, man, this is a lot to kind of swallow. And it's like one thing coming in with The Witcher Three as a foundation, but if you have no foundation, it's like I wonder, you know, how hard that is to catch on to everything that's going on. I, I definitely think um, some of the intricacies with like the buffs and debuffs and like you can do some pretty insane combos in, yeah. in the Gwent beta and that that stuff is a little intricate but i think at its its base like make your number bigger than the other guys is actually pretty intuitive and something that's that's been refreshing for me obviously as like a big hearthstone player like seeing a bunch of games come out that feel maybe a little bit too much like hearthstone um gwent is not like play these minions, you know, against each other, uh, like, take health away from this guy. Like, it, it, it's different. Like, it has elements of that, but it, it, it feels kind of fresh, I, I think, in a genre that uh, maybe needs a little bit of that more than I, I thought after playing it, hmm. which is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, what did they do with Spies again? They made it, like, way better? Well, the thing is, is yes, yeah, spies, spies 
a really like the only thing now that really quantifies whether something's a spy or not is whether you put it on the other side of the board. Okay. Because they they do so many different things. I had one that yeah. was like because uh, in the in the base Witcher three game it was like yo, you need spies like the yeah. most OP card. You get some spies. You get extra cards because it was just a matter. Yeah, of that like, was that was basically what it was. It's like yeah. you put a spy on the you other. You have side, more cards. You win. And you get and you get more cards. <laughs> yeah. But with, uh, I had one. I'm trying to remember what it did. I think it was like. Like you, basically put a witch on a stake, on the other side of the board, and then you attack that witch. And when you kill it, then it has like a ripple effect and like just like blows up the rest of their cards. So it's like it's so not at cool. all. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of crazy little mechanics Wait, like that. Wait, you can attack certain enemies now? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like yes. you can take strength so, away from cards, individual well, cards. A lot of a lot of cards have an ability when you play them where it's like do remove two strength or yeah. whatever amount of strength from a cool. from an opposing card. And then there, are, yeah, and then there are things that play into that to where um, if you know one card may change its strength based on whether other cards on your side get damaged. Um, and then uh, there's buffs that only apply to cards that have been damaged. And there's... Is yeah. Skellige in the game? Yeah, Skellige yes. deck's in there. Uh, uh, there's a lot of cards that turn into bears and such. Yes. There are, yes. God, the fungus bear. I um, love it. I love it. Something I have to say about, about the, the Gwent beta that is vastly improved from Gwent and the Witcher 3 is just just like the, the level of presentation. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it, it can't be overstated how... Quick, the game moves like there's there's just a speed to it that I think is so vital and makes those card games like addictive and you want to play them. Uh, and just when you play a card, it feels really good. Like there's a there's a nice flair. There's a there's like a good quote and the art on all of the cards is fantastic. Like Roach standing on top of a roof and Daryl yeah, just being the there like scratching card, his yeah. head is really yeah. good. Yeah. But it is funny that they've done things like that. I mean, that's that's specifically referencing a glitch. People right. got in the Witcher right. Three, but and but, the cow is specifically yeah. referencing an exploit that people did in the Witcher Three, in which they patched yeah. to address. You know, it's so it's really funny, and and something like yeah. the cow though, it shows the difference because it starts getting into these mind games. Because basically, the cow, it's you put it down, yeah. and it's got one strength, and but if you use the fungus or kill it or whatever, it it's, it changes into yeah. a chort that has nine strength. And so you can put that down, and it doesn't matter. Like, there's a lot of different ways that that swap can happen because you can put it down and somebody can attack it, and then your comes out. Or you can put it down at the end of the round, and when your cards go back into the graveyard at the end of the round, then it swaps out. Um, but then, like, how you do that and what people do with it, you know, it can be really varied. And, you know, and if you revive the cow, then you can get another chort, mm -hmm. you know. And so there's really, like, that. it's like a really easy thing to see how like those mind games and what people do with things changes compared to what you would do against an AI. Cool. Very cool. Very hype. Damn, Blair, do you have anything else to throw at me? What else? Um, I finally got around to playing Inside. I don't remember if I did that before we talked before. No, I don't I don't think so. We have we've talked about Inside several times in the show. Yeah. I don't think so I don't want to go on it no, too it's much. Okay. But yeah, that yeah. Game's super, super cool. Definitely a good game to Play through in the dark with the sound up. Really good audio design. Really good audio design. Okay. Um, and just, yeah, it, it kind of goes beyond what you, you might expect, even though it definitely has that same sort of limbo feel in terms of how things move and kind of the, like the macabre 
kind of, you know, it was like you, you know, see piles of bodies and that kind of thing, and you're you're hunted and you don't know why, and yeah, just trying to figure out what it all means, and then, um, yeah, it definitely, I, I think it's like one of those games that's designed for everyone to debate about what the heck just happened. Well, one of one of my favorite things about that game is that we have so many games with dumb titles now. You know, right. just like these are super long titles. You have to have like a subtitle and then a title <laughs> after that. Or like if it's a new game coming out and it has this like amazing, you know, one word title. I'm like, oh, yeah, we never had a game called that. And then I find out later it's like, oh, they added on some like, you know, Rise of the Ancients. Like, oh, come on. Like, just call your game something and be proud of it. And I love that like inside means like eight different things. If you really think about it, like that means a lot, you know, like there's a Definitely. lot of it, especially like, you know, you get near the end and it's like, oh, that, that's a very interesting interpretation of that word, you know? <laughs> um, and so I like that. I like that it's, it's a concept you can tell the whole team was in on and the whole, they're constantly referencing like, what does that mean? Is that an emotional thing? Is that a physical thing? Is that, you know, are you wanting to get inside a place? Are you trying to get inside of your mind or, you know, um, I, I actually, you're totally right. That's a very strong role of the game. And I do think you could apply a lot of those things to Limbo as well. And, and sure, what which well, I'm tempted to go back and play. I never yeah. played Limbo. And speaking of going back to Limbo, uh, so I played Limbo when it came out, loved it, um, and then you know eventually played Inside. But after playing Inside and then going back to Limbo, mm. uh, it's, a, it's a really informative thing to, to do. And if you haven't mm. played Inside and Limbo, I actually encourage you to go back cool. because Limbo is still a good game. But it's it's much simpler and much more basic, right. and just on every single level, they take such a huge step up. Uh, thematically, the puzzles, just how they use uh, like the art design to say things, uh, is just much stronger all around. So it's it's yeah, it's very interesting to directly compare the two, for sure. Nice. And then uh, I've got a. TV show recommendation for Huber. I don't know if Whoa! you saw my tweet or not. Whoa. A TV show recommendation from Bloodworth. Mark for, it down. Uh, uh, OmDBC, the uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Have you checked this out at all yet? No. What, sorry, I didn't get that. What was it? Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. You gotta watch this. Um, so it's uh, Douglas, I think Doug, Douglas Adams, I think it's the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the yes. Galaxy. Nice. Wrote wrote the this book as well and i guess it's been turned into a series before that i haven't seen some people i guess prefer that one but but i just like the way that everything is is introduced and the acting and everything is it's really just a it's a crazy weird fun show to watch because you've pretty much no idea what's going on and so many things feel so random and but but like as each episode progresses like more and more things start to fill in the puzzle pieces uh, and it's just kind of this this concept where this really weird, quirky, eccentric guy, he's a detective, but he doesn't look for clues. Like, things just sort of happen around where he is, and, you know, it, and it also sort of starts um, filling in the pieces just based on, like, each little bit. Um, at, but at the same time, like, there's all these other characters, like, what is that guy? What is this guy? There's this whole plot line with uh, somebody who... She considers herself a holistic assassin. And so it's like, every one she meets, she kills. But she's never killed the wrong person. And she can't be killed. And it, it, what it's weird is, like, a lot of the times her dialogue will mirror Dirk's dialogue. But so far their stories are not connected at all. And so it's interesting to think about, okay, what's going to happen when these two eventually get huh. together? Um, so yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How many have there been? Uh, I can't remember how many episodes I've seen so far. Maybe four or five, maybe six. But um, but uh, you know, it's obviously going to be like a one one series thing. You know, I don't think they're going to go on beyond that. But um, 
but yeah, Eliza Woods in there, and uh, and just yeah, it's just a fun, weird, crazy show to watch. Cool. I I, I can't get. I'm, I'm so happy that you brought a TV show. Like, <laughs> I, I feel very compelled to go check this out. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I have to talk about Dishonored too. I have to. I'm I'm so uh, in love with that game because. Uh, on this show, multiple times, yes. I've I've expressed heavy disinterest because mm. the the advertisement and the marketing it just didn't draw me in, and I, I think I now that I've played through Dishonored two, I'm I'm like almost done with a complete playthrough of of Corvo and Emily. Like that's how much oh, I love wow. it. Like I just I can't stop playing it, and I'm yeah. collecting everything. Uh, it, it is a game that I think if you Watch people play it, and I streamed it, and uh, people were saying this. They're like, oh, it looks a lot like Dishonored 1. Um, or, you know, like, okay, this is kind of what I expected. I, I think at a glance, it totally does. Um, but it's, it's, it is the more subtle things that make Dishonored 2 such a spectacular game. And I, I think the biggest thing that has going against it is it doesn't start very strong. Mm-hmm. I don't like the introduction. Uh, it, is, it is, in a way, a very similar setup to Dishonored 1. Uh, the voice acting isn't great. Um, they're just you just you're not attached to these characters. It's just like a thing happens and then you kind of get thrown into this world. Yeah, it doesn't, it's funky. It doesn't really grab you. Um, and then I, I think what actually makes Dishonored Two so cool. I, I haven't played without the powers yet. That's mm-hmm. an option that you can do. Uh, but I don't know if I would want to because I think how much freedom and creativity the powers give you are what make that game special. Much like Dishonored 1, but here you just have so much more to draw from. Like, it's exciting playing both Corvo and Emily because while they have, like, sort of the same base, the way that they expand is very, very, very different and uh, super, super fun. Like, just the things you can do, and I've said this before on stream, so if you've already, like, heard this, like, Emily can, uh, you know, make a decoy. Like, something that can distract guards. That's not all that creative on its own, but you take the domino ability mm-hmm. and you tie it to an enemy and then you can tie it to your decoy. So they'll go and they'll attack the decoy with swords and they'll just cutting themselves to pieces. <laughs> and no one tells you to do that. There's no yeah, prompt. Yeah. Uh, it's just like the ways they, they kind of have enough stuff in there that you can combine it in really interesting ways. And holy sh- shoot, <laughs> I'm trying to swear less, but I'm very excited. And when I'm excited, I tend to swear. Uh, Karnaka is just a way more interesting city than, yeah. than Dunwall, just on every level. Um, Dunwall was... Uh, there are really great places in Dunwall. but Started it's, out really strong. Yes. Yeah, and then just kind of... It's just kind of drab yeah. and dreary, and, uh, you know, obviously that changes if you, you, you go chaos and there's more rats around and stuff. But, but Karnaka is just this, like, immaculately bright, detailed city, and the level, des- the level design of this game is insane. It's the best. It is insane. Like... Best level design of the year, in my opinion, where you kind of get this this layout present in front of you, and you're like, okay, I can I see that I can go up there, or like I can go through here, or I can use my powers to get in this way, and you're like, okay, this is what I would expect. But then you take any one of those routes, and they just keep branching off, and they keep getting more nested, and you're like, oh my god, A, this place is way bigger than I thought it was, like almost every mission like you get a ton of space to explore and it's really really exciting because what they put in the corners what they tuck in there is so interesting that's where you get yeah and so much like i don't think the overall story is that good but the many narratives that you uncover the deeper you get are super interesting. Busting into a random room, like way off the beaten path, and someone's yeah. in there, like praying and stuff, and like right. worshiping things, and that like leads to a code in the safe, and you bust open the safe. Yes. So cool. Yeah, and um, 
I can't like some of the bone charms. I think are a little boring. Like bone I, charms were super boring for me. They, <laughs> they a lot of them are really boring, and I like I think the point is like. They give you just a very tiny benefit, and you're meant to like get a whole bunch of them. But even after getting a whole bunch of them, I'm like, I don't want to use 75% of these. Like, you know, I, I'm not having to make really interesting decisions here with these bone charms. But kind of like Blood was talking about with Watch Dogs 2, the act of getting them is worth it. Like, I don't even care that they're they're most of the time not that cool because the puzzles that you have to solve and how you have to think about the environment, like, there were moments where I was like reminded of the witness. Like, that's. That's mm. how creative they got. And I, I felt like they weren't repeating themselves a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at first it starts out pretty basic where it's like, okay, you know, find a way to break this thing that's blocking the door or, like, blocking, blocking this thing from, like, floating downward. But eventually you have to manipulate time and space. And it gets it gets really, really, really cool. And it's way more difficult than, than what you have to encounter in the main game. And, the, like... I I love games where the more you put into it, the more you get out of it, and the more you enjoy it, and that is absolutely um, dishonored too. And it respects you. It does respect it you. It respects you so much. It, it's like the yes. even on normal, the enemies are super intelligent. They're super aware of their surroundings. Uh, there was a moment when well, I you were it. you were saying that they will notice if somebody's not on their patrol. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yep. huge for yeah, a yeah, stealth yeah, game. Yeah. That makes a gigantic there, difference. There's not only that. I busted in a place and I like frantically like opened the door and got in and then a second later the guy's like why is that door open? Yep. Come strolling over and I'm yeah. like oh my god. <laughs> That's so They're good. They're so smart and intelligent that it makes you respect every second of that game and on both ends it's like simply sneaking past them is rewarding because yep. they're so smart you feel like you accomplished something. And then even when enemies aren't around and you're just sneaking through buildings, it's like you're in that mindset of like there are people out there. Like I got to stay cautious. I got to stay calm. I got to stay aware of my surroundings. Um, that was that was like the linchpin of the game for me was how much <clears throat> the enemies were correct. I, I, I know you feel me on this because we've, we've complained about it with each other before. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot stand in stealth games where they won't, recognize you unless you're right in front of their face yes. or like at their feet yeah. so you can you can it'd be clear as day yeah. and like any normal person could see you you know you're yeah. you're 25 feet 50 feet away and they're just like all right going about my business yeah not so in dishonor too nope. like daytime if you're just running around the city or even mm-hmm. if you're crouching and you're within yeah. reasonable eyesight mm-hmm. they'll get that it's thing amazing. up immediately and it's like pretty far pretty if you're freaking far crouching in the yeah. sunlight like they've got you yeah um, amazing Something I, I actually think Titanfall 2 also does really well uh, in its campaign uh, that I really admire in Dishonored 2, uh, that I didn't get in Dishonored 1. In Dishonored 1, I felt like it was a great game that had some like outstanding missions where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really clever. Uh, but then there were a lot of other missions where I'm like, okay, like I'm just sneaking through. I don't, I don't really feel like there's that one big hook. In Dishonored 2, pretty much every mission... There's a unique hook to it that is so all clever, like the Clockwork Mansion and how different platforms are rising and falling and the total landscape is constantly changing. And then those robots where you mm-hmm. can disassemble them in a bunch of different ways or the Dust District where just every so don't often... What's that? Don't spoil it. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to spoil it, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, like... 
they all have their own identity. Right. And I couldn't yeah. I couldn't rely on the same yeah. line of thought with each mission. Totally. And I think that's so important in a game like this that encourages, you know, flexibility and play your own way. A lot of times people say play your own way, but that doesn't really matter if you're not engaging me in exciting ways that I want to. <laughs> like I want to play differently and I think that's so cool. Um, one, one thing I like a lot about uh, uh, Hitman and I think is going to be yeah. like the, where, where stealth games need to go and where I'm excited to see them make developments is not only the AI, not only how far that they'll notice you or how quickly they react, or how deadly they are, but following this, and Arkham kind of started to do this where like, you know, you, you, you're, you're examining the, the persistent state of someone's attitude as you're stalking them like yes. in stealth. So that if you have someone that discovered you and goes over and you're gone, that they're not cool with that. So now they're like, huh. And maybe like if they see another guard, they'll tell that guard, I was just chasing somebody and they're gone. Be on your guard. And now that person's, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a, it's not a, only that person spotting you in that room. That you heard them talk out loud yeah. and like talk through what they're discovering, what they're thinking. And like I, I've, I've picked up a lot of moments in Hitman like that where like someone, a guard will say something. And I'm like, that was a fairly articulate response to what <laughs> yeah. I just did. Like, right. you know, like, yeah. So it's not, not just the thinking and the difficulty, mm-hmm. but the expression of that as well. So. Um, I thought the combat was not as strong as the stealth. Uh, it kind of held. I actually disagree with that. Things back a little oh. bit for me. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a lot of, like, like mashing attack into them and then it, like doing the animate the kill animation. Um, I thought the powers yeah. and like the weapons and the pistols added some flair to things, but like even on hard, it was a lot of just like all right, block, mashing with the sword, mashing with the sword. So, Hubert's a fan of mashing. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I like. I kind of see where you're coming from, but but two things kind of prevented it from being that for me. Mm-hmm. Where uh, you want to you want to parry and then get that instant kill mm-hmm. because it actually, if you are just mashing or just swinging, it actually takes for a lot of guards a while to kill them. Well, you get that like charge attack. You open with that. Yeah, and one on one, it's it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. and it's not that difficult, but. In a center two, when you take a hit, like goodbye most of your life. But one one <laughs> hit just absolutely destroys you, and Definitely. like gunshots hurt you a lot too. And it is. Well, you're, I was always yeah fully stocked with health potions too. I never had like yeah. less than eight or nine. I so yeah. I, you I, do I get a thought, lot of health potions. Yeah, I agree with that. And I just thought sure. stealth was so strong and so complex, and yeah. all the powers and everything that when it was open combat again, it's not bad. Yeah, I just thought open combat was fine. I I think the other thing is is like a lot of times I wasn't fighting one on one when because I do think the AI is pretty strong. When I did get spotted, I would suddenly have seven guys, and early on, especially, you're not very well equipped to deal with that. Like your blocking isn't going to work because you might be blocking one guy, but you have three other guys mm-hmm. hitting you. And like I said, Dan, like it really hurts when you get hit. Mm-hmm. I will agree though that if you go out of your way to get plenty of runes. The powers are so strong that eventually, like, I could be taking out a group of guys with no problems. Like, I had so many, Devouring like, weapons. Swarm. Yeah, Devouring Swarm is really <laughs> oh strong. God. Domino is really strong. Yeah. Grenades can be really strong. Like, mm-hmm. eventually, in the in-game, um, combat itself was not all that taxing. But and I think the limitations they put on you in the level design totally. still keep it interesting. Hmm. And combat, too, hurt low chaos for me and non, or, or stealth. Yeah. Because when I'm stealthing and I'm going low chaos and I'm trying not to kill anyone, yeah. uh, it was 
overly reliant on the parry choke combo. Sure. That was like the the it was so much and like having to wait for the enemy like some of the later enemies like will kind of like attack and go back or like they'll just stand there for a second and wait to attack you so it's kind of like you're standing there it's like all right i gotta like wait to parry this and then choke because you don't get a lot of like sleep darts is your main thing for stealth you don't but i like that you don't get a lot of those so we like what we were talking about with the, the health potions yeah yeah um, There's like so many health bars, none of the sleep darts, so now I'm just like waiting to parry. Yeah, there is an awkward dance where yeah. like that is really your only option, yeah. or like, like because you you're also you also get low on mana pretty easily for as powerful as the abilities are. Um, you can't spam them, and that is something I respect. But yeah, there is that really awkward like kind of not fun dance yeah. when you're just waiting to parry. I I agree with that. Um, cool. I think you should play. But this there's one so many, and that's the beauty of that's the beauty of Ben. There's so many things. Like you were saying, oh, I wouldn't do it with no powers. Like there are people out there doing right. speed runs with right. no powers. Like, like there's so many we, avenues to play that game. It's it's beautiful. Um, and it's I, art. I, I I played Dishonored one immediately after I finished my Emily playthrough of Dishonored two, mm-hmm. and like the AI is just nowhere near as yeah. uh, as intelligent, and uh, like. There's there's a marker for like didn't get seen by anybody, mm-hmm. and normally in a game I can I can do that. Yeah. Dishonored two, even if I'm playing so well, hard. it's so freaking hard. So hard, and and I like that challenge. I want to mm-hmm. go and I want to do that. That's that's fulfilling um, to me. Beth brought up an interesting point. We always get in arguments about video games being art because Ooh. so oh <laughs> not not very Ooh. very fine argument. You know, sure. not angry or anything. Ooh. Totally. What's the word I'm looking for? Diplomatic? Sure. Sure. Civil. Sure. Civil, yes. Right. Uh, because so many games, you're killing people. Mm-hmm. And so many games are for entertainment, you know? And sitting down watching Dishonored, she goes, you know, I can see in this game mm-hmm. the argument for art because you're being rewarded for not killing people and being rewarded for patience and exploration uh, and I thought that was good insight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I think something that strengthens that even more is I, I don't like it. And I actually think Hitman is, is kind of this way. I, I think Hitman's a great game. And you hear people say, well, you can go in guns blazing if you want. Which is very hard in Hitman. It is, it is very hard. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Like, the gun, the gun I actually don't. Not that good. I don't think it feels as good <laughs> mm-hmm. as being sneaky. Yeah. And Whereas, that's what I was saying about Dishonored 2 is it doesn't, that comment doesn't feel as good as being sneaky. Sure, but I'm I'm doing a high chaos run with yeah. Corvo right now, and holy hell, yeah. am I having a great time it's, zipping around, it's stabbing a relief. people? It's a relief after sneaking through the entire game. It is. You it know? is. But it's like okay, now I can just kind of let loose, let sure. out that aggression. Yeah. But but there are ways you can like just how you can be really creative with silently taking people down. You can be really creative with just blowing people up, and yeah. it's it's fun, and I'm having fun with it. And I don't push. I don't feel bad for playing very aggressively and very stupidly i'm enjoying it just as much but i like that because it's easier the ending is more cynical you might Mm -hmm. miss out on some really cool opportunities i think that is a fair uh checks and balances kind of thing and how many extra things do you find on your second way through found all these rooms (laughs) it's like oh this is and you can be and i was so methodical in that first playthrough and there's still (laughs) just a ton i missed and and you get to that end mission screen and it's like oh oh i missed a lot (laughs) yeah it's cool. I'm creeping through this game. I missed like 60% of that stage. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good video game. Yes. Uh, I will be... Ben, you should join me. I want to do an entire episode on one of the 
stages in that game that we will not spoil today. Please, uh, yeah. please, I would love to. Yeah. it would be an honor. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even mention this part in the review because I just. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, and you're yeah, right. Yeah. It does not deserve. Yeah. any I mean, it, it does deserve mention, yeah. but it deserves to not be spoiled. Totally. Uh, moving on, I <laughs> I have to do this because it means so much to me. So I apologize. This is not very interesting for the three of you, but there there is a new Metallica album out, and uh, <laughs> Metallica means a lot to mm. me for very personal reasons. Um, but I also just think they're an incredible band. Um, I, I think, like, I, I, I love the first four albums. Like, everybody loves the first four albums. But Master of Puppets, particularly, I think is, is, is perfect. And, like, say what you will about later things, but that, that band has done a body of work to me that is, like, intouchable. Yes. At, I don't care from, but they're, they're legends. Not, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, legends. they're legends. And, you know, it's, it's fine if you don't like them, uh, but... And I don't think their new album, which is, is Hardwired to Self-Destruct, is, is perfect by any means. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's the most glorious heavy metal I've listened to this year or anything like that. But just there are things on it for me that are fantastic. There's this song called Spit Out the Bone. And you you have these guys that are that are getting up there in their mid-50s. They're pushing 60. Like, they, they're just... They, it, I feel like I'm going back in time. I feel yeah. like it's 1986 again. And no, it's maybe it's not as good as like a Battery or Disposable Heroes or Master of Puppets or Black and Blue. Were alive in 1986? No, but I like that music, <laughs> Bloodworth. <laughs> like, I remember when that stuff came out. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't. I wasn't alive. You could definitely call me out on that. That's funny. But uh, Hey, watching Terminator feels like we're back in like 1987. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I don't have to be alive to go back no, in time. No, I was born in 1989. Yeah. So, and Justice for All. Uh that year but anyway um, there's still a lot of this oh, yeah. yeah 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 there is i don't think it's quite as egregious okay um but but what i like about this album is like spit out the bone you know i talking about taking me back in time like there are songs that sound like they're from load and reload and those certainly aren't my favorite albums but there are a lot of things i respect like this is this is metal slash hard rock rock that grooves and like finds a place and like they're there's kind of something for everybody. Like, wherever you came in on the Metallica train, like, you know, Black Album, Kill 'em All, Master of Puppets, uh, Load Reload, like, there's something here for you, and I love it. And they've done a video for every single song. Wow. And some of those videos Dang. are really cool. And my, my favorite, and one of my favorite songs on the album, is uh, Halo and Fire, which is kind of a cheesy name, but uh, the video is just like... There are a circle of fans surrounding them, and they just look like they're having a good time. And James is, like, in the crowd jumping around. And I think Death Magnetic, it's an album that I, I love. It was the album before this. I, I really like it, but it felt like a band that, that was trying to figure itself out and, and trying to recapture that former glory. Yeah. Where here it's just, they're just confident. They're just having a good time. Like, you know, like, whatever. We, we have our history. We're not ignoring that. And we're, we're confident in who we are, and here's this album. Uh, the production is is much better than it was on Death Magnetic, and um, James's voice sounds so good. Nice. He sounds better than he sounded at a long time, and like, dude pulls his weight. Yeah. Like he's he's a he's a metal icon that that is not like resting on legacy. Like, mm-hmm. dude can still play rhythm guitar like a motherfucker, and <laughs> he can get you pumped. Like he'll sing a a chorus or a harmony, and you're like, yeah, James, like, let's go. Um, Definitely a personal hero of mine. But I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, saying a new Metallica album is out is maybe not all that interesting for viewers. So I did want no, to take... I totally th- think it is, because it's mm-hmm. their legendary band, you know? They it's are. It's like a new Stones album or something comes right. out. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. I don't even care for Metallica, and I think it's a big deal when they come out with a new 
new album? Yeah. Do you I, think this is a new era for Metallica? Like they've turned a page. I do. I do. It's I, exciting. It's sometimes with with legacy metal bands where like you feel like you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like not that it's bad, but it's maybe just a little bit boring. And uh, this is an album that people are gonna not like, and this is an album that people are gonna love. And I, I think that makes it infinitely more interesting. I do I do think it is a new chapter. It's not just Death Magnetic again, um, which is cool um, for sure. But yeah, well, this does have value. There, there's there's just something I have to say. Um, there's another band that I want to talk about very briefly. Um, a recommendation for all of you, uh, kind of like I, what I did with uh, Courtney Barnett, which is, this is the exact opposite end of the spectrum. This is uh, American black metal, which I think when you hear those two words, black and metal together, it turns a lot of people off. But I think this band is outstanding. Um, I was looking for new metal to listen to, and this name just kept popping up, and I'm glad it did. Uh, there are two guys from Colorado called Cobalt. and Chevy Cobalt. Yeah, they uh, they have an album out, Slow Forever, and um, there's there's a song that I want people to get started with if they do decide to give it a chance called Beast Whip. And Beast Whip. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of metal is just very aggressive and and you know very in your face and and I think a lot of people can do that and I think a lot of times it can sound very similar but I think there's something even more impressive where you can create this wall of sound, this nuclear blast, and everything feels very meticulously placed. Like, yeah. despite the chaos that's going on in your ears, everything is just so considered and yeah. impressive. And these songs, they, like, morph and change over time, despite screaming, despite, like, just the shrieking guitars. Uh, there are moments of, of, of quiet that makes sense, uh, kind of like almost in an Opeth situation, more, more aggressive... Uh, than the more recent opus. Kind of like Dishonored 2's level design. Kind of like Dishonored 2's <laughs> level design. Everything and, just uh, makes sense. Yeah, when, when I think about heavy metal that I love, I, I like uh, thrash metal or power metal or progressive metal. I, I, there is black metal that I really, really like, but uh, no, Cobalt has, has blown me away. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not for everybody, but please check it out, guys. So. I can't remember. Have you heard SNM, the Symphony of Metallica? I album? have. You I, have. Okay. I have. Yes. I was talking to someone recently, and they were a big Metallica fan, and didn't even know that existed. And I was mm. like, oh, Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I've um, seen metal in a really long time. Brad is. He needs to be here for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, he loves metal. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I feel like I haven't really dug into it with him, and that, that yeah. might be something that would be fun. Like to high out. school, we were super into it so much. So it's kind of like. New phase, you know, music is all about phases of your life, and yeah, maybe that's why. Just kind of had one foot out. Yeah, and people might disagree with me, but something I get really upset about is when they're like, oh, you haven't outgrown heavy metal. I, I think it's just like a like a condescending... Yeah. Oh, video games aren't art? Right, yeah, yeah that kind of thing. <laughs> like, I... I, I think it is totally cool and fun if you don't like heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not for everybody. I don't like every genre of music either. Like, people have preferences. There's nothing wrong with that. But to say there's no value there or to be like, oh, that's just for these types of people mm-hmm. is really gross to me. Like, don't, yeah. please don't do that. Yeah. Uh, well, to me, it's like the horror genre. It's just right. like there's so many misses. I see so many bad horror movies throughout the year. Sure. You see one good one and it reaffirms your, yeah. your opinion of the genre as a whole. Yeah. And like, I have for. Yeah. Quiet here. Seriously. And I, have, and I, I like I have friends uh, that are like 
in theater that like that like write musical theater and do like costuming and are just like Shakespearean actors that like love Metallica that are just yeah. like they're like I don't I actually am not really into that genre but I've heard enough of that band to recognize those guys know what they're doing like yeah as a very very a group of very talented musicians it's been so long that I felt this way but like listening to, to some of this music yeah I'm I was like I wanna I wanna I'm buying this a second yeah, you walk I'm out the door please do I yeah. Just my my own recommendation. I, I think some songs are going to hit harder than others. Please listen to "Spit Out the Bone." Okay. Please listen to uh, "Halo on Fire." Got it. Got to go in um, order, man. It's a story. It is. I'm not jumping ahead. Okay. All right. I just I just I'm want it means so much committed. to me that I yeah, want people. He's to not like going to bail mid you know midway through. Yeah. Uh, but no, man. I I just I like I want to go out and I want to buy a guitar and I want to play and I want to <laughs> like feel that. Oh. I want to listen to Metallica while I play Dragon Quest Builders. Yeah! <laughs> that's my, oh that's my, my gosh. goal. That's my goal for today. I've been, I've been playing Pokemon and listening to this stuff and it's so good. Um, for real though, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Eh? I'm not kidding around. It's a good movie. <clears throat> um, Speaking of uh, Pokemon. Yeah! Tried Pokemon! Playing, tried playing that yesterday. What's the story? Tried playing Pokemon. Here we go. My memory card wasn't big enough to download the game. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because any... I'm rocking my Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3DS that's like this big. You know, there have been like 10 new 3DS. It has nothing to do with the 3DS, it's just the SD yeah. card. So my, I've never run into this problem before because, again, I don't really play a lot of handhelds. Uh-huh. And went to go downloaded it, or went to go download sure. the game. It says, no. you need this many more blocks. I legitimately deleted everything. <laughs> yeah. All of it. Yep. Not enough. Hubert, the same so, thing happened to me. Are you serious? I ran, I, I tried to download a Pokemon. I said, you know what I'm You know what I did? And, and something that I respect about Nintendo. Yeah. I went to Walmart. I bought a $10. That's what I'm doing right after this. I'm going to Best Buy it, immediately it, after this. It takes two minutes yeah. to... Swap those things out. Perfect. And which you, I just, I think it's so much better than being like, oh man, I'm rocking this four gig Vita card. Yeah. I've got to pay this absurd $50. amount for this proprietary. Yeah. yeah. I'm going right after this. It's cool. Mission number one. I'm excited. I really yeah. want to talk to you about it. And I really want to talk about Pokemon Sun and Moon. I don't want to spoil it too much for you guys because I know you're into it. So we're going to turn this into today's. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do in the world. Okay. I don't get many. I, don't, I think that's like my third, maybe second or third Hitake in person in my life. <laughs> yeah. So I feed on them. Cherish yeah. it. It gives yeah. me whiplash. I'll see. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Pokemon uh, kind of generally, and I want to talk about Pokemon Sun and Moon because we have very diverse opinions amongst the easy allies about, about Pokemon. And we've, we've had these conversations before, but I think. You know, now that sun and moon are out, we can kind of reevaluate this conversation again. You know, just kind of how you personally feel about Pokemon, what bothers you about Pokemon, where it's going, um, and to to kind of spearhead this conversation. Uh, there's there's a there was a article from Eurogamer saying, "Hey, a version of Sun and Moon might be coming to the Switch or is coming to this the Switch." Yeah. Uh, how does that make you feel? Is it like excited? Okay. Let's yes. just jump in right there. Why does that make you excited? Because for me. Uh, again, I have not played Sun and Moon yet, but for the longest time with that franchise, the scope right. has not been there. Yeah. And I attribute it to because it's on a handheld. You know, the the story and everything, sure, it sets up all these regions and like, yeah, it's a big world, but playing through Pokemon 
I have not had the feeling of going on a huge adventure in a huge world and discovering all these things since, like, I was young playing Red. So tell me, Michael Huber. Yeah. You're talking about this scope. Yeah. I, I think I understand where you're coming from, but mm-hmm. I... What... If you... If I gave you Pokemon, right, mm-hmm. and I said, make it, what... what how would you include that scope? What what differences would you like implement there? Uh, I just think it has to do again with like playing on a handheld versus playing on the Switch or something more. So you're saying like, like how it looks? How it looks? Yeah, going into a town and feeling the town versus mm-hmm. like top down. You're you know seeing a couple buildings, seeing the gym. Like holy crap, man! I want to boot up the Switch, enter that world turn a corner and lose my breath at the sight of a gym. You, you don't know? want it to feel I so segmented. Yeah, I want it to be this massive foreboding structure <laughs> where I'm just like, oh my God, I need to go conquer that gym. I need to go train. Like, I want that that feeling and I can't connect, I can't make myself have that feeling when it's on handheld. I... <laughs> I totally respect this opinion. I am curious to see how you feel after you play Sun and Moon because the thing I want That's to talk about... That's why I'm about, excited because I, I hear that it's this journey and that the, the mm. region is huge and I, I have heard that it, it captures that feeling. Not, so. to, not to speak in hyperbole because it, it can be annoying when people do this, but I, I, I absolutely think it is the best looking 3DS game I've played. Like, like Alola looks fantastic like what they're squeezing out of this clearly outdated console mm-hmm. is is awesome and just the vibe that it gives and i think alola kind of this, this tropical feel this this specific feel is is way more dramatic and like well implemented uh than the inspiration scene in x and y or mm-hmm. uh, ruby and sapphire or diamond and pearl yeah uh i think like everything you do and just like seeing birds fly overhead and just the, the music uh Everything comes together in a way that, like, I feel more immersed in this Pokemon game than, like, the last four that I've played. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Is it feels like more like a normal, like, a more, like, really 3D, um, you know, just, like, walking around and stuff like that. Like, you're not, right. like, you don't have, like, these, these distant uh, wide camera shots like you're talking about. It's like, it's like you know, you're, you're following uh, your player character. Uh, you know, and I've all, all I've, I haven't even got a Pokemon yet. I just like walked up the the road and saw some cutscenes, but uh, but yeah, but even that, it's like yeah, like you have these these cutscenes and these characters that get introduced very quickly, and yes. it's like okay, what's going on with this person? Uh, so it it definitely feels like there's a bit more to it just from you know the twenty minutes whatever I put in so far. I want to bounce off that because um, I think I think it is, it is again the the very little things and and conveniences that that make this uh, a strong game and an interesting Pokemon entry because um, camera angles that they use for story sequences it is not just two people sitting there talking to each other it is like okay we have an action scene we're gonna like use the camera this way we're gonna follow the person this way or we're gonna go up here and it just feels more dynamic and interesting when these events are happening, and so you're, you're more invested. Uh, the other thing that I really love, and they, they've, they've done this before, but I think they do it early on right away, is you don't have gyms anymore in the same way. Mm. There are these island challenges, and you have uh, sort of these these trainers that are like responsible for these island challenges. They're going and they're getting involved in the story, and they feel like characters. They're not just, okay, I'm going to go in here, and I'm going to fight your minions, and then I'm going to fight you, and then I'm going to get this thing, and then I'm going to go on. Like, 
you're developed as a character earlier on and you matter more to me and there's more of a buildup here. Oh. Um, and I think that matters. And even more minor things than that, like when a trainer sees you and you initiate a battle, like when you get close, the screen, like uh, there, there's like a black border that appears like, oh, you're getting close to somebody. And then an exclamation outline appears and like the it happens within rhythm to the music that's playing yeah. or when you pick up an item and it does that familiar song, but it does it with like, you know, a ukulele. It's, yeah, it's, it's cool. uh, just, just little things like that. There's a consistency present uh, that I think is rad. Um, again, my time is super brief, but one thing, you know, one thing I don't like. Yes. When I, I mean, walk around a room and I get that noise or Burr, burr, burr. I don't like, like that what either. the heck? Yeah. I don't need that. I don't need a buzzer a to tell me that I'm touching a wall. Yeah. Oh, weird. That's <laughs> weird. Can you turn that off? <laughs> that's why I looked in the options. I was like, is it catching it? No. Okay. Oh. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Um, so, we talked about Pokemon going forward, and we, we've had the, the Pokemon Go phenomenon. And I, I want to talk about that because you think now that some time has passed that that was just sort of a flash in the pan and that's going to die down. Can they, they reinvigorate that? How does that compare to a more traditional experience with Pokemon? Or do those audiences overlap quite a bit? Or are they very distinct? Like, how do you feel about the state of Pokemon right now? I think this moment is like the biggest Pokemon will ever be again bold statement whoa i think pokemon go mm -hmm. was a flash in the pan numbers have proven that it is that it was um they had an update that kind of resurged some numbers but then it fell right back down um and i think it's the biggest as it'll ever be because pokemon go brought in millions of non-pokemon fans um and i just don't see a new pokemon game bringing in the amount of fans that Pokemon Go brought in. Uh, so I think, you know, this moment, an actual game releasing just after the Pokemon Go zeitgeist, I think this is the culmination. This is it. So you're saying that... But Pokemon this is will always... Sorry. So it, it will... It It'll will always, always be have, big. Right. But you don't, you don't think this... That it will maintain this level. That no. Right? I, don't, I don't think it ever could. It was... Sure. Pokemon Go was... But... Cultural phenomenon for a minute. Do you think? Do you think a Sun and Moon version on the Switch may be able to keep that going? Because they, they haven't done that before, right? Yeah. They haven't had this this handheld version and then brought it over uh, quite like this, to my understanding. Do you think that? I, I think it'll be big, but I just don't know if the install base will be there. Okay. Everyone has a phone, even if Switch sells through the roof. Sure. It's not going to be as large. Um, the thing is, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Switch will be a definitely a, a weird situation. But the thing is, is, like, people have kind of, like, thought that about Pokemon, like, for a long time. It's like, yeah, you know, it's not as big as it was. And, like, maybe people aren't talking about it as much, but it's consistently yeah. just getting bigger. Right. It's bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, like, even this, they're talking about, like, Pokemon Sun and Moon. It's, like, record numbers for what they've shipped for launch. So it's... You know, it's it's kind of crazy because I, I feel like it's one of those things that even if a lot of people aren't talking about it, they're still sort of playing it behind the scenes. And uh, and, and so I think it's and, and it's a kind of game that's still attractive to young players, which is something that we don't get a lot of, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like you have 
all the people that grew up with Pokemon, and then you on top of that, you like have younger players that do still find it attractive and still still gravitate to it. It's not like something that oh, it's like well, you know, my parents played that, but I don't care. Like there's there's new generations that keep latching on to Pokemon, and so that's why I think like it it will sort of just keep keep getting bigger and bigger in, in a way, and and it will sort of depend now on how Switch does, because we haven't seen anything like this, you know, and how it will kind of take the reins um, from the 3DS eventually, which I think it will do, but we don't really know how. But I think this Pokemon rumor is sort of partly evidence of that, and I think the fact that this game has no 3D is evidence to, you know, they're building it more to look good for the Switch as much as they can. Let's, like, get everything we can out of the 3DS so that the Switch version doesn't look bad. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh... This this diverse audience you talk about is is a point I want to bounce off of because uh, playing Pokemon Sun and Moon something that is that is actually driving me nuts despite enjoying a lot of the things of the introduction you know I'm I'm 27 years old and I've played Pokemon before and sometimes I feel like the game we were talking about Dishonored two and and knowing giving your players the information but not shoving it in their face mm-hmm. and it, like if they know what they're doing let them then go Pokemon doesn't do that man like it it it, it for as much as I like it it just kind of moves slow and it's like, okay, this is how you capture a Pokemon. This is what like very basic concepts mean. You're like, man, like I know and I get that you have to do this because there are probably an influx of people that don't understand. Or people like me and Brandon. Right. (laughs) Right. Like I mean, Brandon's recently played Pokemon Red. I haven't played like main Pokemon games since like Silver. Absolutely. And I'm totally okay with that stuff being there. It doesn't offend me, but I just wish there was an option or a, a, a way around this information for people that, that do know what they're doing that was a little bit more relevant. And I'm not saying I'm a Pokemon master. I'm not. But I just, there were times where, despite enjoying so much of it, I wish I could have just sped it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I like when the tutorials are always like option B. Yeah. Where like the conversation's going so that if you're actually in a hurry, you'll miss the tutorial. But if you really want to take it slow, they'll have that second dialogue option that's like, before I continue, you want me to get into that and explain right. that? And you're like, no, I don't. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Always safe to have that. Uh, something I want to say about Sun and Moon is Professor, uh, I believe you pronounced it Kukui, Kukui is his name? Yeah. yeah. Um, is just the raddest dude ever. <laughs> he's got this white lab coat on, no shirt underneath. Nice. And he's just like, he's like in his lab, when you're approaching his lab, he's like wrestling with some Pokemon and like his assistant's like, guess we gotta replace the room again. Oh, not the other person. And he's got these sunglasses on and you're just like, I wanna hang out with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to bag some Pokemon. Bag him and tag him. It, it's I'm just like throwing some balls out yeah. there. Let's go, dopamine, baby. Talking about, talking about throwing balls. Uh, <laughs> there are a ton of huge changes. Like you don't in <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, Catch ben. You don't have to like when you're trying to capture a Pokemon. You don't have to like dig into your bag anymore and be like, okay, where are my Pokeballs? Okay, get the Pokeball now. I want to throw the Pokeballs and just go through way too many menus. You just hit Y, throw a Pokeball. Like it's way faster. Nice. You don't. You can see what the moves do in battle now, which you. It's so nice. You just hit L and then A, and it's like, oh, what does this move do? And it's there. Are, there are a bunch of like quality of life improvements there. that I'm not going to realize have been improved at all. I'm going right. to be like, oh, well, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, obviously yeah. implemented this in the second Pokemon game right. they released. And yeah. you, right. You've been uh, used to this for years. Oh, actually, the audience yeah. is going to be like Jones. I yeah. misspoke. You have actually, no idea I, the menus. Sapphire. Sapphire was the last one I played. I played Silver and then I played Sapphire. Get your facts But still, blood. yeah, long time. GBA. 
and not to pimp uh, uh, other shows that we're doing, no, ben, please, but please. Uh, Kyle and I actually, to, uh, this this morning, um, very early this morning, but the first episode of Brandon, Sun, Kyle Moon, which will be our, our exploration of, of Sun and Moon. Not only of, of the, the new game that came out, but specifically the difference between the Sun version and the Moon version, and uh, I've never... I, I traded once, you know, just for the purposes of our uh, brand of place Pokemon with Kyle, but like actually actively trading week after week after week and trying to fill out the roster. And... How many? What time Pokemon... did you guys record that? Uh, we did that Thursday night. Okay. We did that after uh, live with YouTube gaming. How many exclusive Pokemon are ex- exclusive to each one? Isn't it usually just like one? Uh, no, 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 no. There, are, there are a lot. Yeah, there's definitely there's more than a, one. There's a, there's yeah. a, for Red, for red and Blue, amount. it was like ten, at least ten. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't remember the exact oh. number of, of exclusive mm. Pokemon, but it's, yeah. it is, it is a fair amount. Cool, I, would say. I, like um, that. I like that. Actually, that's why I, I'm, I'm actually going with Pokemon Sun, uh, cool. just because. I went Moon. Let's yes, trade. Nice. <laughs> I, I want to trade with you. I want to go to this Pokedex. Um, yeah, I looked through the exclusive Pokemon and actually liked the. In total, the, the exclusive Pokemon from Sun, Moon, Moon. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sun, baby. Trade up. Yeah. Nothing against Moon. I'm going to so, probably get Moon. Nothing against So, Sun. apologies for not, like, jumping into this conversation. Because no, I do have a unique perspective, but, like, we are doing another show. So, I just don't want to yeah. repeat the same things that I, we I just said on a video I put up today. Right. And, Jones, <laughs> actually, that's why I was a little bit worried about doing this Hotake. I, I just, I wanted to talk about Pokemon so bad, but I didn't want to, like make you repeat yourself or well, what's great that. i mean i don't know if you've if uh the panel or, or people of home ever had the situation where it's like you have a close group of friends there's some film franchise or tv show or comic book or game that you never talk about with them and they just like bring it up casually one day and like you find they all love it like whoa and like i love that like we got you know codes in and you were just like hey who wants you know codes and like so many of the allies were just like oh my god we're all in on sun and moon and like it's just Everyone a good feeling right it's just right. Um, <laughs> Too cool. Too cool. It's, just, it's just a good vibe to like be discovering this franchise and just getting into it and have all of your support and different perspectives, you know, on like what games, you know, some of you have played all of the games like Kyle, some of you have, you know, haven't played them in a while, but like have more experience than I do. And it's fun. It's really neat getting that unique perspective. Um, I imagine it's what it's like when people watch us make videos about talking about video games. I, I hope so. To get that's that the, perspective. That's yeah. the vibe I want to get It's fun to get off. that from you. So. Well, the funny thing for me is, you know, like I haven't, honed any of those like management skills of like building a team and getting through a story like i never got through either of the stories the ones that i played like i just i want to go around and catch all the pokemon and i want to make you know (laughs) i read a crazy article about pokemon starters it was kotaku or polygon one of people are like starting over and over to get like better stats that's (laughs) because like the odds of getting one of the starter pokemon Female is like 14% versus 85%. The stats are not predetermined. You, there's a chance to get like a, uh, a shiny Pokemon. They restart, like people are restarting hours and hours and hours of time. Can, is somebody, it. but it's is not a, Dead Rising, so I, you're starting over. And I respect that. <laughs> I, I respect it too, but there's, yeah. it has this interesting effect where I don't. There's, I'm not at that level of Pokemon craziness. Yeah, like I'm not. <laughs> comparing all these individual values or restarting yeah. my game a bunch of times to get perfect stats. But because I know that that stuff is there, there are times where I'm a little bit stressed or I question every single thing I do. Like, should I forget this move? Should I do that? Like, there's, there's just this question of efficiency that I think can be a little bit hard to let go of. Yeah. Uh, but I'm happier when I, I do let go of yeah. We should figure the meta out so we can just crush Bossman. <laughs> that would be really me. satisfying. Teach me. Yeah. Don't tell him you're doing it. Okay. But do it. 
Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> might, it might be more satisfying if you just you do it. But you did that during Brandon Plays Pokemon. But it was unfair because I was way over leveled. Oh, okay. So, okay. but that's one of the new fun changes. Is that like you know that is not new to Sun and Moon, but that they've added previously. Uh, the games that I've missed is that you can meet on a level playing field when you when you battle. So. If oh, I'm like by like ninety nine to cross the board, it doesn't matter. It's oh, like, okay. I can. I feel it'll, it'll so matches. ignorant when I when I bring this up. I'm genu- very curious. We want to learn. I'm very curious. Even even levels for Pokemon battling against each other, right? How much of that is the luck of the draw of like, yo, I first threw out my water. He threw out his fire. Mm-hmm. I have the advantage. I won the coin. But there, but are, there are a lot of layers there because it's, it's sure, like yeah. speed stats, and then you could augment that with items, yeah. and then like held items, and it's just yeah. And like winning the coin flip to like oh I get to attack first mathematically. But that it's, puts me it's at not a coin flip. It's, not, it's yeah. speed. It's speed. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, every yeah, Pokemon I, has a speed stat. Yeah. Cool. I remember like. I remember finishing red cool. and quick attack See? came up and Kyle was like, well, quick attack's great because it attacks first every time. And I'm like... Regardless. Because it's yeah. called quick okay. attack. Sweet. Yeah. I've been out of the game since X. I see what X. they did there. <laughs> been out of the game. Been out of the game since X. Uh, well, that, uh, and, yeah. that was, and that was the thing is that like I was way over level than Kyle, but he still could have beaten me. Like he still... Had a cu- he still like made a couple of mistakes that afterwards mm-hmm. he was like, oh God, please tell chat. I know what I did wrong and I did, you know. <laughs> like but, the ways in which you can, for com- on a competitive level, think about team composition, mm-hmm. it's... I it's hear, some complex I, stuff, man. Yeah, I had no idea. I, yeah. I keep hearing these rumblings oh, of yeah. like competitive Pokemon. No, that's what I'm saying. Like all the strategies, is like and yeah. What, what's overwhelming? Hopefully, is to I like, can dig into it this time, but it's so over my head most of the time. It to feels get cool. to that point, you have the, the work you have to put in. Yeah, like yeah. Which sucks. It's like holy crap. I felt like going into Sun and Moon right now. It's like wow, this is awesome. This is such a cool moment in time because we're all coming in fresh to it. Yeah. Yes. But now I'm reading these articles of like, yo, restart hey, in hey. 10 hours. Like you're saying, like, that's stressful, dude. That's, they've already like figured everything out. But here's something I learned playing Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire is because once I became aware of that stuff, I got very anxious about it and I tried to just overwhelm myself with information. It doesn't work because here, I think, I think if you do want to get into that stuff, play the game first, mm-hmm. you know, get, get familiar with it, experiment. And then once you've, you know, finished the story, you've done that stuff, it feels comfortable to you, then that information will make a lot more sense. Mm. Cool. So just be aware that it's there and get ready for it, but don't don't shove it down your throat immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's the thing, is like you can get really stressed out of you know, it's like, oh well, which moves should my Pokemon know and which ones to to delete and just make a huge mistake and you know, it's like, yeah, I have to try to let let that stuff go and, you know, just Every play, I gave, I gave I my Charizard all the things that said fire in the title. <laughs> That's how I figured that I like one out. That. Nice. I just, uh, liked, I just liked booting up his ability. It was like fire, fire, fire. Yes. Like, yep. uh, <laughs> every single one of my Pokemon will have tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Axe throw. Uh, something that I'm surprised about, there's, there's this new thing. It's kind of like a modified Pokemon to me called Recover, where... Uh, what I love, and you couldn't do this in the other games, is like let's say you get poisoned or paralyzed or you, you fall asleep. After battle, you can use the Pokemon Recover and... Or is it Pokemon Refresh? It might be called Refresh, not Recover. It might be Refresh. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, you can, by like petting your Pokemon, get rid of that status ailment. And so it has a very practical effect. It's like, okay, I don't have to use my Antidote or my Paralyzed Heal or whatever to take care of this, which is nice. Uh... 
And I think it's a good, like, sneaky way of wanting, getting you, like, well, I'm already here. Why don't I give my Pokemon a little pet? Why don't I make it happy? Yeah. Why don't I increase its affection? Because that it. plays into its stats as well. Cool. And you can feed it these beans. beans. And it can get full, and that affects things as well. And I, I, I think it's just actually so smart Whoa. that you're like, well, I want to get rid of poison. I might as well do these other things <laughs> here. What did you say? The bean meadows. The bean meadows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How deep can you dive into this like Tamagotchi style raising of it's, the Pokemon? It's Is there again, a I'm not a Pokemon master, but it feels deep, dude. Mm. Oh, yeah, I didn't even know that was in the game. It's, yeah. Oh man, I'm but ready. but because like when you're after a battle, it'll just on the bottom screen. It's like, hey, like before we move on, do you want to just use this refresh mechanic? Mm -hmm. And I, I like that. I like not. Having you like get out of the battle and then go into the menu and then do this thing just to feed my Pokemon. It's like, okay, I'm gonna do something practical. I don't want them to be poisoned anymore, and then I'm gonna do this other stuff. So okay. I think it's really smart. Does that get annoying? Do you have to do that every time after every battle? You don't, you, just, don't you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it every time. But, but there are these new things in, in Pokemon centers called cafes, okay? And you can go to cafes and you can uh, get like lemonade or, or or tea or something. And uh, they'll they'll give you like a a snack that's unique to a particular area, and it will like cure all your Pokemon status elements, but you only get one of them. Um, so that's useful. But if you've been feeding your Pokemon, little cafe dude is like, "Hey, I see you've been feeding them some beads. We like that. Here's a rare candy, you know, which gives you a free Pokemon level." And so, wow, that's uh, you know, feed your Pokemon beads. So you're so encouraged you can really to things. feed them every after every single battle. Yeah, but but I found that like. Just feeding them once in a while is an, is enough because they get full. Oh, okay. They don't. They don't. They're like, okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. like, no more beans, man. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's what's one of the things I joked with Kyle about Red is they were like, they were like, your rival doesn't appreciate Pokemon like you do, and I'm like, I guarantee you, my rival does the same exact things that I do. In this game. There's nothing I can do to like treat them better, you know? Right. Like, but I, the people tell you that all the time. They're like, that's the key is that you're nice to them. Mm. Whereas these rocket guys, your rival, they're mean to their Pokemon. I'm like, how? How do you right. bring in the? <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. So it's like there's like a nourishing factor. Yes. Because um, yeah, I'll definitely get attached to these little buggers. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, there's one that I, I saw yeah. that I will probably, if if I can, will keep in my team forever. Uh, it's like uh, it's a little woodpecker with the, yeah, the red crest. Yeah, I think. Is yeah. Some... So that looks like the pileated woodpeckers back home in Florida, which Ooh. are, you know, I I you know I had them in my backyard growing up. They're huge. They look prehistoric. They're crazy. <laughs> And, you know, I just like, yeah, identify with that thing. Give me, put that thing on my team for sure. And then, uh, yeah. That's then, so cool. And then I'm going to start with the owl. You know, I had a lot of owls in my yard too, so. Owl's the best. Owl, owl I think owl's the best. The best. <laughs> I'm interested to see the, like, 83% of players chose oh, no, it's, Rowlet. It's, it, it's gone so far that I see people, it was like, oh, Puglet, Puglio, or what's the? Poplio. Poplio. That there's like, you know, save Poplio. Like, you yeah. know, like, I really like, 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 like people are like doing like the battle charts. Be like, somebody pick Poplio. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, I have an owl for my Xbox avatar too. So too it's just good. like. All right. I've, so. <laughs> sorry, Blood. I didn't mean, I, I'm just sure. very excited about something. When you, when you, when you can make Rowlet happy. He does this little spin. He's just like, and he spins around, and he's just like this orb, and he's just got this dumb look it's on his face. Good. It's too good. It's too good. Very happy about it. That's why the original starting three are so legendary, because they're all so different. And they're I, so amazing. I feel like Bulbasaur is the odd man out. 
Like not like people sure. know Bulbasaur yeah. and people yeah, like Bulbasaur. Water, water gets the shaft every time. Because he gets the. No, that's grass. I think that's Bulbasaur. Oh, Bulbasaur's grass. I think Bulbasaur, Bulbasaur has the the payoff though. Blastoise. Yeah. yeah. But wait, no, Bulbasaur I mean, is Ivysaur yeah, and yeah, Venusaur. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Venusaur. Okay. I thought you were talking about Squirtle. My bad. No, Squirtle so is the king, Squirtle yeah. Squirtle's yeah. the king of all Pokemon, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, Bla- yeah, Blastoise is pretty great. Um, <laughs> Blastoise, dude. I'm getting yeah. the Blastoise tonight. Um, no, th- th- uh, I I apologize for people that enjoy hot Hotake. This is not really a hot Hotake. This is. Well, the, I just wanted to talk the about the Switch rumors. I think are pretty hot. Yeah, I, I think, I think that that is a very interesting direction for it to go because it also implies that you would be able to trade, right? If they've got to have that worked out, right. if it's going to be part of the same set, how are those? How are they? Commu- how, do, how do you transfer? Days? How do you trade? Yeah, yeah. Dude, so has like a built-in Pokemon Stadium battles. Yeah, now I'd imagine they would, they would have would new stuff. Key. Especially if it's yeah. late, if we don't get that until like next summer or something. Yo. Uh, potentially, like, you, there's got to be some new mode. There's got to be something that we can. Why have see we not streamed Pokemon Stadium? Because we're what done. are we doing? Be- yeah. That's it. That's the beginning and the end of it. Yeah, we just don't know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, also, <laughs> like, like my transfer fits. cart doesn't work anymore, so. <laughs> uh. yeah, you remember you had to plug that into the N64 to mm. actually but trade? The, yeah, it, it feels good to be past the, like, 3DS version of Smash Brothers and Wii U version of Smash Brothers. Now it's just gonna be Smash Brothers, you know. Yeah, now it's I just agree. now it's just Pokemon. It doesn't mean you're not gonna think, oh, what, what's that coming out for? Or, <laughs> well, Dragon Quest Eleven has the 3DS version, and the but they're doing something version. interesting with that. That is yeah. actually funny that Dragon yeah. Quest Eleven is gonna come out so late that it's gonna be like the last good 3DS game. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how different it looks. For sure. it, it's cool. It it's is cool. funny to me. That you know, people have been clamoring for a full console Pokemon experience for a very long time, and like now they're being strong armed into it. It was like we have one console; you have to put the Pokemon on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What it takes. Yeah. Um, not to cut this Pokemon feel good train short, but are you guys ready for some emails? Mm. Emails. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's time for some emails. Our first email comes in for Christopher. Really like. Uh, this one, the subject is meeting your gaming heroes. Hmm. Um, and he says, Dear Aorzean Allies, reference to a Final Fantasy XIV show we do. I recently had the pleasure of bumping into Ben at TGS. I was there for work as I had joined the localization team for Final Fantasy XIV at Square Enix that very month. Even though I'm sure Ben was busy enough uh, just taking the cre- Okay, He's just being nice to me. Thank you for being nice to me. Uh, my question to the Allies is, have you ever met anyone you admired from the game industry and just had a really pleasant time interacting with them? I hear a lot of stories of people meeting their heroes or other famous people and them turning out to be massive jerks. But it'd be nice to hear some positive stories for a change. Love and respect, Chris. Um, well, I'll, I'll go with the most recent, really, is uh, when when Naughty Dog had it come out. Like, those guys were super excited to have us there it's weird it was like mutual fandom and we had no idea you know it's like it's like oh yeah we'd love to come to naughty dog and, and hang out and do a stream and they were all about it you know it was like it you know it was actually hard to get into the streaming room because more and more people wanted to come and talk to us you know and and so it was it was crazy because it's like to, you know it's like yeah I've, I've been doing this for a long time and i'm proud of my work but 
Naughty Dog is like top of the class. <laughs> Why do you care yeah. what we do? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, so it's really cool. And then I actually had an interaction with uh, one of them this week. I didn't even realize I had the interaction until after the fact, uh, where I'm, I'm, I have to replace my my audio receiver at home for my my home theater, and uh, and I don't have a lot of money right now. I don't want to spend a lot, uh, and so I I was like, okay, can I replace the thing I have now with this one? And uh, he got on and he was like, well, that one's not going to be, you know, future proof for you. It doesn't do the stuff you need for 4K HDR, etc. I was like, okay, well, you know, what about this one? And, and so we went back and forth a little bit. And then afterwards, I looked and was like, you know, lead sound designer at Naughty Dog. I was like, oh, I thought it was just a guy on my Twitter feed. <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> so cool. He knows what he's talking about. Great. <laughs> It's it's so cool that they've they've invited us over there and you know made us feel welcome and yeah they're willing to and uh, I don't know if, if Huber can talk about recent events either but ooh uh, juicy I'm just gonna say Jason Vandenberg <laughs> oh yeah yeah right. well documented yes yeah. my goodness romance going on just <laughs> the nicest person you'll ever meet uh, just oozes with love and respect and passion for what he does and just wants to make sick video games and play them and you feel that i felt that he had so much joy from the fact that i was enjoying myself playing for honor at e3 that you know that's like heartwarming it's like wow he is so happy that i'm happy right, right. now for just yeah. playing this right so yeah jason vanderberg stand up. up stand up man class act I did not meet this person. I have two, because one I didn't meet, but I just want to give credit. Uh, Igarashi is the uh, Symphony of the Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at this last E3, Iga would stand by, and now the yeah. game is Blood escaping stained. me as well. Bloodstain. Yes. The Bloodstain had had two stations yep. in the Xbox booth, and he just, with the hat and everything, just, <laughs> just stood there. there. Yeah, arms crossed. It was, it was so amazing. intimidating. It was amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like I, I and like I, I wanted to talk to him, but I couldn't because he was so welcoming to people. People just walk up and like, like bump into him, and be like, yeah. "Oh my god!" You yeah. know, it's like I, 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 I would not expect to find you here because it's like, well, no, you're D three. Go out and play other people's stuff. But he was just, I really want to see people's reactions. I yeah. really just want to be here. Um, so I was really impressed with that, even though I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But uh, a random name just popped into my head um, because I don't do a lot. I have not been, I've not gotten out as much as I should have during the, the course of uh, Easy Allies and game trailers. Um, one person I bumped into many times and talked to many times and is a very nice gentleman is Marty O'Donnell uh, from uh, mm-hmm. Formerly of Bungie. Uh, music composer. For some, I met Marty was uh, a, r- a weird random thing. Like I didn't actually talk to him or introduce myself because I didn't want to bug him. But uh, when I was at GDC... Uh, we went out to dinner and like Marty and his crew were like in the booth next to ours. <laughs> that's what that's what's fun about a Comic Con or a PAX or yeah. yeah, something where like the the convention just kind of takes over the town. He's yeah. like, if you go out to dinner, who knows, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Um, but uh, the first time I met him was at Video Games Live, like a, over a decade ago, uh, and he was like really forthcoming. Told me some really interesting things about like recording Halo Two that I didn't know at the time. Uh, and I went to Dice in Vegas uh, two years back, mm. and he was talking to a couple music producers, and it was great because it, it, I, I felt good because I'm like so many people want to go over and like talk to a Troy Baker or talk to you know like some of these actors or like famous journalists or something, and I'm just like I want to go talk to Marty. I'm gonna go just to, and, and he was talking to somebody that actually repped had worked with John Williams before of, you know, Star Wars and Indy and everything. And like, so I like gave her my card. I was like, Hey, (laughs) like I would love to interview John Williams, but uh, he was just, it's just a a really nice guy. And like, he had such a, such a strange 
you know, Kojima-esque fallout with Bungie, and we don't really know, like, 100%, like, what happened there. And so it was, it was nice to kind of check back in with a guy and be like, yeah, you are actually just a very down-to-earth, uh, nice guy who really appreciates people that you know, come at him and can, spe- can specifically, you know, say about his music and, and, and game music. You know, I know you're obviously a huge yeah. fan. Yeah, no, I love talking to composers, so. Um, so, yeah. Talk to Austin Wintering quite a bit at GDC as well. But it's tough because, like, you – it's an interesting question because there's, like, a lot of famous people that you will just interview. You know, you right. go in and, like, I, I have a chance. That's why you and Vandenberg are so wonderful because it's, like, not really an interview. It's, like, just two people hanging out. Yeah, um, it's two Vikings reuniting. <laughs> and so it's, uh, I, I find the best opportunities – some of the best interviews I've, I've done are off camera because you don't have that stuff either. Are we, is the mic set? We got, we got lights. The, okay, now we're having a natural conversation. Oh. It's so hard to just snap yeah. your fingers and make that happen. But if there is no camera, if there's no recording or anything and we're really just, like, chatting – um, I had a great conversation with the people from Squanch Tendo with the accounting on VR um, with the um, the creator. I can't remember the, the show that he created. Uh, not Star Wars, Forces of Evil. Hello. Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty creator and um, um, the guys from Crows, Crows, Crows. And just like wasn't recording anything. We're just joking, talking about funny moments in the game and stuff. So it is an interesting question because it's rare that you get those opportunities. Yeah. Like me chatting with Marty while we're just having drinks. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Like, we were talking about interviews and turning cameras off. It reminded me of uh, when I did the... The backtrack series for uh, Mass Effect, which I think I might need to bug Fran at IGN about. I, I don't. I think those might not have made it to the YouTube channel. Oh no. Okay. So I might have to give him the files. They might have been lost in the transitions. But um, uh, but yeah, when I was doing some of the, some of those interviews, like we started getting into some things on camera, and then after the cameras got off, like we really started getting into it. Like <laughs> like the frustrations of things sort of started coming out, and it was like you know a lot of just the businessy sides and. Who gets credited for what and why things are credited and like and just yeah it was it was very interesting uh, and enlightening conversations to where it's like oh I'm frustrated about these things but I don't know what's going on and then like oh I, okay so here's your side of why that stuff right. happens yeah um, <clears throat> during my first six months at Game Trailers I got to interview Ken Levine and I'm really bummed because this interview never made it anywhere but uh, I was fresh young lad at that point and like just stepping into that room I, I'd never been more nervous or anything in my life it was like hey you made Bioshock you know like that's that's a big deal and I, I know we have some mixed opinions about that game uh, amongst this crew but I really loved it and uh, you know Ken Levine was a name I had heard so much about and read so much about that like he was kind of like the first icon that I got to interact with on a one-on-one basis and like never have I met somebody of that stature that seemed like more humble or just like more genuine like we we barely talked about bioshock we just he just was such an intelligent like passionate guy and he didn't talk to me like an interviewer and i think that's a rare thing yeah. to come across where you you have those interviewees that, that feel like they're on their guard mm-hmm. or like you know they they like they're saying what they're going to say in their head and like mentally checking yeah. it before they spit it out and ken just talk to me like I don't know how else to say it. It's like a fellow nerd. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was talking to a friend, and uh, he was such a cool guy. Never did I feel like there was any difference uh, amongst us, and that was that was so cool. I have a lot of respect for him for that. That's awesome because so. I try so hard when I interview people to make it not about the interview. Yeah. You know, I try to like make it as jolly as possible, yeah. yep. and then the second the interview, st- like everything's so good before, yeah. we're buddying around. How you doing, man? Well, I love your games. Yeah. <laughs> interview starts uh the uh experience will be the uh, it was you know you know yes what there, mean, there like, will be there will be multiplayer in the game too death be... match is something we're very excited about yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry we're not saying anything about that particularly right now but we, yeah. we might have some more information about that in the future 
like uh, <laughs> uh the verticality in this game is off the yeah. charts. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That was good. Yeah. Also good worth pointing out, ninety nine percent of every video game voice actor I've met are all awesome. All of them. Yeah. There's like are. two. That's a good point. And I'm just like, what's your problem? But all the other ones are great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's actually something I miss about uh, GT Live is getting all those voice actors in. Those are some really Me cool too. Yeah. Getting yeah. a studio. Getting a studio. <laughs> Gonna happen. Dream big dreams, everybody. Uh, our next question comes in from Brandon. Hey. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to Brandon. Thank you to every, uh, all the people that do this. Uh, we get some some people that you know are ready for every episode, and I really like that. I, I appreciate that interaction. Props to you all. Uh, hey everyone, my question for the panel this week involves announcements being made well in advance of a given date. I was wondering what everyone thinks about knowing what is to come being either a good or bad thing. A couple examples being the Nintendo Switch, uh, the Nintendo Switch uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, seeing uh, little snippets of that. Um, and Brandon goes on to say, personally I feel like it takes some of the surprise out of the events. Um, think back to Sony's E3 show this year and finding out about Resident Evil 7 or seeing Hideo Kojima come on stage. Those moments, I feel, were more impactful because we didn't see them coming. Yeah. What do you think? Should the gameplay reveal of Andromeda have been kept a secret? Do you feel like we should know what's to come beforehand? Thanks for taking my email. As always, stay easy, fellow allies. It's tricky because you did know they were coming because you were watching the press conference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. you, you can surprise if it's if like a company like Sony's like we're going to have a party. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know who's going to walk out on stage. But if you're a, you know, Nintendo Switch announcement and it's like, well, there's not another video game event that we're just going to go to and announce a Switch. We have to make our own event. We have to let you know ahead of time we're going to do it. So, yeah, I think there's a big difference between, you know, a, a Rockstar Games, you know, like letting you know a couple days in advance like, "Hey, just, you know, don't plan anything for Thursday morning cuz we're going to be dropping the trailer for Red Dead." I like that. I like I like the setup. I know a lot of people it's really easy to mock like a trailer of a trailer. You know, it's just like, oh, it's an ad for an ad. Like, oh, come on. You know, you're like prepping. But, like, they, they really want you to be focused on that. It's so easy to, you know, for some game to just fly completely under the radar for you to, like, get to the end of the week. And it's like, oh, did you see that trailer? Like, what? no, I didn't see that at all. Ghost in the Shell. This last week, we were like, oh, Ghost in the Shell trailer. I'm like, is that old? They're like, no, it came out today. I'm like, oh, like, I just didn't, I didn't know because it just dropped. And it's fun because you get that, the shock and, oh, everybody kind of scrambles to check it out. But at the same time, if we maybe got 24 hours advance that it was happening, then like then I'll be ready. Then then we'll make a big event out of it. So yeah, I mean, I think those two examples are so polar opposite to me because, uh, you know, the the switch is something that we've only known that it exists in like the deep background and 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 all these rumors and stuff are out there. But it, you don't know how much stock to put in any of it. You know, there's not was not really any true information for a very long time you know and then it's like okay you know here it is after all the, all these people saying that, oh well, they're gonna announce something now they're gonna announce something now and like it, it would never happened and i was like okay here we go here's an announcement we're gonna put it out there we're gonna let you see what this thing is and then you know we're gonna have an event to where we actually get into it uh, whereas with mass effect it's just this weird like oh here's a little thing here, oh, here's a little thing. Here's a little thing. And it's just like, it's just sort of, you know, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it just, it just felt like all over the place. And now it's like, oh, and now we're going to have the gameplay reveal. And I'm like, didn't you sort of We've seen gameplay do that already? already? Yeah, okay. Like... Uh, yeah. So it's, it's strange. And especially something like that where it's like, you know, we have the cinematic trailer now. And like in a month, we're going to have a gameplay reveal. That's like, okay, well, tell me in a month, I guess. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Movies piss me off with <laughs> stuff like this most recent example fantastic beasts 
Yeah. Three days before the movie, they're like, oh, guess what? This person's going to be this person. You're like, yo, thanks. Why are you telling me three days before the movie comes out? Star Wars. Hey, guess what? Luke's going to be in episode eight. Oh, great. Good to know. Haven't even seen episode seven (laughs) yet. Like, my God. You know, I get it. I get that you need to build hype, sell tickets, whatever you got to do. But, like, it's so nice when people, like, the, the companies and the studios have a level of love and respect for the art to let that let it remain and let you discover it on your own terms. Yeah, it's it's such a tricky balance because I, I think there are plenty of like fairly big games that came out this year that like where's where's the marketing? Why why, why aren't we seeing this? I, I think I think Titanfall Two could have used some more love. Yeah, you know. Um, but I think the thing that pisses me off the most, and I actually had to look it up on my phone to make sure I was getting the title correct, is is when you hear about a game and they have like that big explosion. And it's like kind of a new thing, and you're kind of interested, and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to hear more. And then they spend such a long time just fading into black, so when eventually it does resurface, like that, that, that initial wonder is gone. The I think a perfect pop. example for me is Agents of Mayhem, the new game from Volition. Yeah. Oh. Right, yeah. right. And you're Which all played. Your, your eyes are getting wider, and it's like, oh, here's this new thing from Volition. We're going to announce it. Here's all this stuff. And then nothing. Ahoy, motherfucker! Right, yeah. yeah. I and I'm not, I, don't, I, I have no idea if that game is going to be, be good or not. I will never forget it. <laughs> Thank you, Hubert. Thank you. But but it's just like, when, when Agents of Mayhem comes back, you know, there's just like this weird gap. And now it, it, it feels like you're creating your own mountain, you yeah. know, in a, in a weird way. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah. But yeah, what, uh, the stuff Hubert was saying, like, that is one thing that, you know, I'm like, I know it, like, there's all of these reasons that go behind it, but I... I don't really like casting announcements and all yeah, of this like, stuff where really... like you hear about all the stuff that happens with movies, you know, just, you know, because it gets out on the news feeds and, um, and it's I think, unavoidable. I think the, yeah, I think the game industry is definitely better about that. So it's kind of funny to me, like that's part of the actor strike is it's like, oh, we don't want there to be so much secrecy. It's like, well, I still want there to be quite a bit of secrecy. Yeah, I think secrecy you should fans, know. It's just not the actors. It's like, yeah, I'm I think you should know what you're know working what on. Doing. Yeah. yeah like... I, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's always weird to me, you know, for shows and stuff that I watch. And it's like, it was like, well, I follow it on Twitter because I kind of want to know what's going on, but I don't need to know everything. I don't need you to tweet out gifs mm-hmm. of the every good moment of the episode as it's airing. <laughs> you know who I had to unfollow on Twitter because it's just too much? But I love her to death is Galen Heard. Because she just, ju- like, spoiled just, like, retweet, 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 retweet. It's so, uh, like, load up Twitter, and it's, like, the Galen Hurd app. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, but she loves that, too. Like, she'll just Walking Dead spoilers and all that. I'm yeah. just like, ah, stop it, you know. I was just like, I respect you. You're wonderful. You just produced aliens. Bless you, yeah. human. But I can't. Yeah. Be quiet. <laughs> I just can't. It's interesting. I'm so interested in this person, but not with anything they have to say. <laughs> True. Yeah. There are names I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. Yep. Um, our next and last email of the day comes, um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, and it comes from Gnome, uh, N-O-A-M, Dream Adaptations. Mm. Hi there, friends. I'm mm. reading uh, 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami, oh. Murakami right now, and I can't help but think that Satoshi Khan could have made an excellent animated adaptation 
of the novel if you were still alive. Both the story and the themes of the book really jive with his unique tone and style, especially in the way he blends the real with the surreal, and the way he disorients you through his editing. Got me thinking about what other dream adaptations I would want to see, like a game adaptation of the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. The magic system in those books would work so well as a game. Yeah. What are some of your dream adaptations and why? It doesn't have to be a book uh, to movie. It can literally be anything. Uh, examples, film to game, game to show, film to show, etc. The Meta Barons. It's a graphic novel. I just love the world and the art. What is the name again? I'm sorry. The Meta Barons. Okay. It's got meta in the title. Uh, yeah, I just think it'd be a very cool game. There's a lot of really mm. interesting, complex characters, themes, everything, just like a good legendary graphic novel has. Um, just check out some art, and you'll be like, whoa, cool world. So, uh, I, there's a, there's a, I love the X-Men. Uh, I would love X-Men, XCOM. Turn-based, strategic, select wow. your team, go in and finish the mission, but with the X-Men. And cool. I, even, I even got a plot for you because I've thought about this game so much. <laughs> uh, so I don't know who would, would be a good bad guy. It would be someone actually on like the Professor X level, someone like someone with like mental powers that literally lobotomizes all of the X Men, like just does something widespread. Like they're all at some event or something, and everyone's there but X, and they basically just like you know turn all of the uh, the, the X Men. They still have the powers, like they're still made of the same stuff, but they all just like like shit, like you shut robots off. So X is literally controlling the entire team. So when you move from one person to the other, he's like, okay, Logan, stay there. Okay, you know, like Scott, shoot that guy. Okay, you do, you know. Um, and then maybe you get them back as they go so they can start fighting on their own. But like, I just let just every X-Men games, I was just like, go, 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 punch, 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 punch. Mm -hmm. And I would just love strategy. I would just love like actually seeing like the team split up and yeah. like tackle certain things and like accessing that some arranged versus melee versus... You know, like more mental and um, controlling different things and stuff. Yeah, that was a hell of an answer. I want it. Oh, Could right. sell though. You know what I mean? It just wouldn't. Oh, I, just don't, I just don't think the strategy community and the X Men community are, are that big that that you would see them. You know, they said XCOM, the and I mean, no one sell. Right, X Men Com. About we haven't even seen it yet, but a Logan adaptation, Logan oh, sure. game, just, like yeah. Last of Us style <laughs> Logan. Yes. <laughs> I have one. Uh, I would like to take uh, lightning from Final Fantasy XIII, um, and I would like to make a 3D platformer, a la Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Okay. And uh, I want uh, just catchphrases all around. I want you to run into your, your friends. Good. Like Hope mm -hmm. and Snow. Right. Um, and I want you to, to run around and, and uh, jump. and. What are you collecting? Uh, <laughs> you're collecting death. Because it's, you're in, it's in a dream, and uh, do you dream of death? No, this is just a meme answer. I didn't have a good one. But Did I, you see, Ben Moore, that the Amazon pre-order for 15, you ready for this? No. You're going to have to change whatever you got going on. <laughs> there is a 15 pre-order on Amazon that gives you Lightning's weapon. No. Yep. Yep. But okay. You need it. You Here's need the problem it. I have with that though, Hubert. You need it. When I when I think I, I actually think like we're looking I'm looking at Lightning right now. I, I actually think she's a cool design. Yeah. Um but like the least interesting thing about her is the weapon. Dude, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Around. Yeah, but I I don't know. I think like the the coat the and the the But just think about Noctis holding her legacy, holding that blade. 
But just it, the feeling. What but she if doesn't even use the same weapon the across the game, shattering around him. Like, <laughs> what if instead, like you think about, you got you think a about, lightning wig. Yeah, that would be oh, more interesting. So Not this in the wig. Like, that's a much better experience. The funny think, thing is, you wouldn't even need a wig. Just color his hair pink. Yeah. <laughs> He's <Yeah>. lightning. Yeah. <laughs> you think about, uh, you know, Cloud and the Buster Sword. You think about Squall and the Gunblade. And it's, it's, I just think it's more one-to-one there as a better weapon. You're right. Like, but God, still, Final it's... Fantasy picked up. You made me think of something with Final Fantasy. Uh, World of Final Fantasy is adorable. Uh, interesting new uh, combat system. Uh, yes. uh, cutting the review looked a lot deeper than I expected. There were a lot of cool areas that I was like, that's eh, a little too spoilery. I don't want to show that in the review. I'm playing tonight. Um, but the one thing that they get close to doing that they've never done, and like Dissidia's like gotten close to it, and like and this game and Kingdom Hearts is like ah, almost there. But like whenever they have a game where like Final Fantasy characters will bump into each other, there's never that like confusion. It's always just like, oh, who are you? I'm Cloud. It's like, oh, I'm T or you know, Cloud Tifa obviously know each other, but like I'm Lightning. Let's go on an adventure. Right. I would love Cloud to be like, what? <laughs> I, who? What? Where are you from? And like for her to have, to have to explain to Cloud, this is the world that I came from. What's your world like? And have for him to explain to her who Sephiroth is and what Midgar is, and actually have Final Fantasy characters talk to each other about the worlds they come from. And so it was like a disappointment for me in World of Final Fantasy. It's like, oh no, no, you don't play as any of these Final Fantasy characters you love. You play as these two people that you don't care about at all, and then they bump into all these fun people. Like you know, you're just going through Mister Rogers' neighborhood and just hanging out with all your friends. And like, I would love. A Final Fantasy RPG that picks one cl- one character through the entire lineage to represent a class. You have one summoner. That's it. You have Yuna. Yuna's it. She's the summoner. No Rydia, just Yuna. Or just Rydia, you know, no Yuna. And they all have to get together to fight either a, a, a new villain or, or a villain you're familiar with. So you actually get conversations with them. You actually see, like, this kind of ragtag of people pulled from different franchises that just suddenly wake up, whoa, where are we? And, like, I would just love to realistically play through that scenario Kingdom and see how those characters would interact. hearts. <laughs> they do a lot of that. And they, they do that uh, in World so? of Final Fantasy as well. Yeah. But, but, I, but I get what you're saying. Like, like take it to a... Another but level. But in Kingdom Hearts, it's from the perspective of Roxas right, or of right. you know these characters who are not these other characters. Like get like I don't want to meet anyone new. Get them all out of there. <laughs> it's like I only want this to be cast with characters I'm familiar with. I, I want perhaps a beloved Final Fantasy character. You were talking about that confusion and be like, yeah. who are you? I just want them to just be like hated by like everyone else. Like most of them come together, but like everyone picks on Cloud or everyone. <laughs> I don't know. And like whenever they get in a chocobo, it's like their style of chocobo. So like oh. if they if there's like the parties all riding on chocobos, they all look different because they're yes. all they all look different in different games. So I, I want they they, uh, they just put uh, Ramza into the the city arcade game. I want more love from Tactics. There are there are a lot yeah. of good characters there, and yeah, it deserves some more attention. Um, Ben might be the only one that knows this this one at all, uh, but uh, Nauska. Uh, you know the Miyazaki yes, film. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh huh. That ten out of ten. Always, always, like you know, since I was a little kid, I've loved that story and that world, and it's just, it's so interesting and intricate. And I've always, like, always imagined myself, like, especially when I was younger, like, just like flying on that glider, because like it, it, like it, when you see it animated, it's almost like you know how that feels, right? Yes. And so, like, if you could capture all of that and the giant insects and. And the toxic jungle and everything that's involved in there. Like, it would just be such an interesting world to really dive into. And you know what's funny? Is so many games have very obviously taken from right. Nausicaa. And you, you're totally right. Where you just, you just want the full experience. Yeah, definitely. 
And uh, or even the uh, I I I almost wonder if the chocobos were taken from Nausicaa. Sure. Because you know you had the guy with the the birds. Mm-hmm. Everyone should watch that movie if you haven't. Wow. Yeah. Animated. One, yeah. Yeah. Amazon. One of my favorite movies ever. How, what's the spelling? N a u s i c a a. Okay. Whoa. Oh, and the uh, the manga that's Pre- based off of is also fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I've got the full full manga, and it's actually interesting because you know he made the film before he finished the manga, so the manga branches off into very different directions later on. But uh, yeah, both both very recommended. <clears throat> I feel like this is. I know I already said my stupid lightning answer, but. Uh, I and maybe this is taking the easy way out, but just replaying The Witcher again, I could, I could see it as a condensed movie. You know what I mean? Like I could see actors playing that role and have it feel powerful. CD Projekt Red, come on now. Well, I mean, give us more. That's <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is that they've come added on. so much. Not in your keep, CD Projekt chop, Red. Chop. <laughs> they've. I mean, they've they've apparently you made some very bad year? Witcher movies already. Blood but. and wine. Okay, what are you gonna do in 2017, huh? No cyberpunk news. Dude. Slackers. Cyberpunk. Sorry, Blood. I felt like you were getting trampled a little bit there. Oh, no. I just... Yeah, because it's not their... Again, like, they are an adaptation. Then They are a pretty freaking great adaptation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's that's the thing that would be weird is, like, yeah, who could then take it to film and would, you know, would they do a new story? Would they try to adapt one of the book stories? Would they try to adapt the Witcher 3 story? You know, so there's a lot of different weird things that could happen. And and it's hard because it sort of, you know, necessitates quite a big budget. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to really that's true. to really do it well. Um, so that's why it's kind of like I think that that would work better as a TV series. But then a TV series is not going to have the budget to do it the justice that it would need. So it's tough. I don't want to see some guy in a weird, awkward rubber drowner suit. No. Uh, well, I kind of do, but <laughs> I don't want that to be it. You know. Um. Cool. That's it for Friend Trap, I think, this week. Uh, what I what I love, this was like a, I felt like we were just hanging out, like casually conversing with each other. This didn't necessarily feel like uh, a show with segments. So I, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the panel. I hope you enjoyed the discussions. Uh, I loved having each and every one of you come into our world. Uh, <laughs> if you want more of us, please go to easyallies.com. There you can find uh, links to our Patreon, our Twitch uh, our YouTube, all of that good stuff. And if, if you like what you saw, uh, please consider, you know, throwing a, a dollar our way or, or whatever you can afford. You know, we're not, we're not begging for you for money. You know, you're going to get this show regardless of what you do. And if you, even if you don't donate, I appreciate you watching. But uh, we are trying to push that studio and, and make things happen. And uh, we greatly appreciate the support. So, until next time.